And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Hello and welcome to The Great Movies Podcast, a retrospective film review show where we watch and discuss the movies covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Dylan Clare, and today I am joined with Stephen Gillespie Hello, and Max... <laughs> Hi, Stephen. <laughs> you, you, are, you are now just like fourth host of this podcast. Yeah, pretty much. I'm trying to just invade this podcast. <laughs> Taking it I, over. I'm fine with that. Uh, we, we've had a couple great discussions uh, so far, and this one's going to be insane as well. Um, and my second guest today is Max King. Hello. Uh, also from also from the UK, here to discuss <laughs> the most American movie ever made. <laughs> Hello, we're here on July 4th. <laughs> we, are, we are recording on the 4th of July, so... <laughs> we're taking it back. We're taking the podcast back. We're taking, well... <laughs> there's been enough attempts actually taking America back recently. We probably shouldn't, probably shouldn't joke in that area. Yeah. I'm going to feel weird saying, uh, saying all the names in this film, though, because like they don't feel right not in a kind of Californian accent. You know, like Bigfoot Bjorn like, do a... a coming com- No, I'm not going there. <laughs> well, I'll just Can you try to do a Californian accent? Can either of you do it? No. <laughs> I got Scott last week to do an impression. That's the first time I've gotten to do that. Can't let that happen again. It just reminds me, actually, in terms of like accents and recognisable people in this movie. I remember this, this having a very polarising response when it came out, obviously. And um, I want to say it was Charlie Brooker or someone like tweeted about just being like, just when I thought the film could not get any more mumbly or insufferable, Owen Wilson appeared. <laughs> That's like 30, 40 minutes into the movie? And it's like a two and a half hour long movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was going to get a lot more mumbly and insane it than was. that. It was, it was. Beautifully so. Yeah. I mean, they probably um, walked out. Most people did. Yeah, I have a story about my viewing of this, my first viewing of this film. We'll get to that later. Well, that's usually, no, that's the first thing we usually talk about in the podcast, is sort of like how we came to this movie and what our past experiences with it. So let's hear the story about your viewing of it, Stephen. Um, yeah, so I'm a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan um, since watching my first film of his, you know, being somewhat youngish. Um, was there'll be blood, which I think is 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 the introduction that most people have um, saw that a little bit after release um, on DVD and was blown away by it and still think it should have got the Oscar that year. Um, the film that won instead is not a film I'm a huge fan of, despite loving the Coen Brothers, seen all their movies. Um, it's their least Coeny thing, really. I'm not. Mm. Um, that's a podcast for another time. Um, but yeah, so from that point, consume as much of his stuff as I could get and like got friends to go see things with me to um, <laughs> diminishing returns, I guess, but they did not really, did not really like this as much as I did. And then I was living in Birmingham at the time and had some friends up for the weekend who were friends of my partner, Emma, more than friends of me. And I was like, um, I know the night they come up is the night this movie comes out. They like movies, right? How about we go see Inherent Vice? And Emma was like, well, they don't come up till late. I'm like, well, there's a, sh- there's a screening of it at 11 p.m. <laughs> that will do. <laughs> so these people had driven down from Newcastle to Birmingham, which means nothing to most people. Um, but they'd be for a, a somewhat long how, drive. How long of a drive is that? In the UK, that's like six hours. That's massive. That's a long drive for the UK. I, I know it's, right. it's big, but I'm thinking it's like maybe here to. My, I'm in Albuquerque, and like maybe there to Denver, ish. I guess in the UK we've we've you two to three hours as long. So that's 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 how we roll in the UK. So for the UK, it's a long time. 
for everyone else it's not a long time at all um, yeah so we were dragging them along to what i was dragging them along emma was not very interested only i was very pumped about it um the person so emily her friend thought she was like yeah i'm excited for some 70s sleaze i'm like i'm not gonna tell you that's not what the movie's gonna be i'll, I'll let you come in excited <laughs> they'd seen the poster only and a trailer and thought yeah this will be like fun i'm like mm, you are not gonna enjoy this um so there was me and a few other people uh most people walked out of the, the theater. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, everyone walked out apart from me and the three people that I was with and a couple behind me. Um, I think I was the only person to stay asleep for the stay awake, sorry, for the entire movie, which was which was quite an achievement. And um, it's one of those funny things of like we have a newspaper system that hires film reviewers who don't often speak directly to the readership of the newspaper. Um, mm. So we have a, we have a very right wing newspaper called the Telegraph, but the film critic for that newspaper is not particularly right wing, and it's very strange sometimes. Um, but the film critic for the Guardian gave Inherent Vice five stars, and um, the Guardian has an interesting readership of a lot of like old people. And <laughs> the film ends, and the person behind me goes, "Well, I wouldn't give it five stars," and just walked out, <laughs> and it was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, as I remember, the Telegraph gave it five stars as well. So it, they, yeah, you so know, you never know. It could have been from either, but yeah, they're like, well, I wouldn't give it five stars, personally. It's like, well, personally, I would, but cool, bye. <laughs> the fact that you guys have two local, I mean, quote-unquote local, reviewers that would have both given it five stars is pretty incredible, given the sort of critical reaction to this movie. Not that it was necessarily negative, but it was... I think it was pretty positive, mixed. wasn't it? Yeah, I feel like it, 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 it was positive to darling. Me. Like, he is critical darling, and yeah. audience hate him, apart from Boogie Nights. Yeah. Which is possibly yeah. my least favorite movie of his. What a wild statement! I I've seen Max King's list, so uh, yeah, that's what Max I found. Boy, you can back me up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Hard Eight literally exists. Yeah, no, no. It's it's no. Hard Eight and then Boogie yeah. Nights. Boogie Nights is fantastic. I mean, I would take Boogie Nights over. They're Anima. all fantastic. Oh, I, I haven't seen them. I haven't seen. I would take it over June. Actually, June's really no, good. June's really good. June, 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 yeah, June's really, really, really good. Ah, um, oh, Boogie Nights is really good though. Boogie Nights is really good. Well, yeah, but they all are. Boogie Nights is a really good and seventh of eight in my list right now. So he only makes great films. So it's you know you're arguing. He, he really does. He children. only makes bangers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, um, Max, how 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 did you you come to this movie? Well, um, I mean, I don't have as good a story as Stephen because Thank I you. wasn't even young enough to <laughs> see the. <laughs> you weren't any, young any enough. Time. I wasn't old enough. Sorry. To see it when it came I out. I wasn't young enough to really, as, as an old man. In fact, I was that old man behind Stephen that said, no, not five stars for me. Um, but no, so I, I haven't been able to see this in the cinema, which is eternally depressing. But um, Same. I saw it twice in two days. Oh. Once it was on in 35mm, like near me, and I don't know how I didn't go. But um, yeah, no, so I came to There, there Will Blood first, like everyone mm-hmm. else. Um I, I think it's either it, it depends on your generation. It's either yeah. Boogie Nights is first, or There Will Be Blood is first, and like there's a dividing line between those two. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I was just sort of absorbing like the critical responses of like everyone at the mm-hmm. time when I was just trying to get into like proper proper films, if you like. And obviously, There Will Be Blood is pretty uh, high up. Proper. So, mm. It's pretty proper. Yeah. Um, so I loved it, and it, it's it's been quickly one of the most canonized American <laughs> movies I think in history. Yeah, well, along with No Country for Old Men. I to think. Be fair. It... I, I yeah. Well, not I, I, Stephen, I, I get you. You might not else. be a fan, but like as, as a canon, that both of those movies yeah, instantly yeah, no, were like 
written in pen with a quill in ink. Written in pen with a quill. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Well, because everyone's always looking for the great American movie, yeah. aren't they? And like those those two things felt like an expression of Americanness. They felt like they had a foot in old cinema and also a foot in new cinema, both being very much like genre yes. pieces, but also felt very contemporary. Like I get that, um, you know, it's a period piece, but that soundtrack, like alone, makes it feel very contemporary and sharp, and the performance feels very contemporary and yeah. sharp. And then he went on to um, do the master, which is like equally kind of muscular and, I mean, possibly better. Yeah, yeah. Um, Master is probably my second favorite. Of Master films. is sixth for me. I think. I think the more I sat with, it, like, I mean, I should say at this point, I've been... Stephen's just going to disown this podcast <laughs> by the end. They're all good. Oh, oh no, 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 really no, no, good. I no. Inherent Vice is sixth, and then Ma- Master is fifth. Ooh. See, I've been, I mean, I've been watching all of them this week, like in chronological order, and I've been coming to yeah. terms with the fact that there will be blood, like, might not be my favorite <laughs> and that you know, it, it it has been for my favorite for years well no but i just mean it has been and now um yeah sure okay. sure but i'm i'm starting to think that my my own ranking is just exactly the same as chronological like my favorite is phantom <laughs> threads and then all the way same, down to same. Eight. <laughs> yes phantom Thread. i i i love phantom Thread. phantom Thread, i think is, is fantastic but it is it is not my oh. favorite of his but no but um it's my favorite Sorry. of, it's my dad's favorite of his of the two that I've made. Him Me and watch. my mum both love Good it, dad. which is still weird given, you know, the maternal relationship in that film. But um... <laughs> you think so? <laughs> Maybe uh, messed up movie. All of his are pretty yeah, messed no, up. My dad has seen that. And there'll be blood, and his comment on there'll be blood, which again I reminded him what the title of the film was, but he said he wouldn't have thought it was a masterpiece, but it was too violent at the end, and he thought that was unnecessary. I'm like, dude, the movie is called There Will Be Blood. I don't know what you're expecting from the end. Very little blood. It just telegraphed until the very end. It's like it's gonna come. Yeah, he does shoot the guy in the face in the middle of the movie. That might be it as far as blood goes. Apparently that that was fine for my dad, but my dad thought the ending was ruined the film for him, which I already knew he did. That's he crazy. That's like the best scene in his career, maybe. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I mean, the ending's incredible. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, with this movie, um, I have saw it on a laptop on an Amazon rental, and this time I saw it on a laptop on an Amazon rental connected to a TV. Uh, improvement. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I will say um, I did tell Stephen this, but it, this is one of my least favorite uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Um, least favorite, as in um, six of his movies I have at a five star, and three of his movies I have at a four star. And uh, it's a yeah. pretty high four star as well. So, how would you rank the Mattress Man commercial? Oh shit! <laughs> I mean, I think <laughs> last maybe. What about the what about the Dirk Diggler story? His initial short, probably his weakest one. Yeah, probably, opinion, but, but, yeah. but the thing is, those are just short, and like it can't compare with like I the... I take all cinema. I'm not an elitist like uh, you. what. I came in feeling so proud that I'd watched all eight of his movies, and now Steam is coming on with all these shorts and commercials. I don't know. Anima, Anima is very very good. If you've not seen Anima, you need yeah, to watch Anima. Uh, Anima is incredible. Mm-hmm. I, I know. I've, I'm ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen Janun um, and like no one else has. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that. It's great. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> seen it. I've jammed out. I downloaded the soundtrack. Let's do a lot. Be like, yeah, it's rules. 
<laughs> Wait, so Stephen, because uh, uh, Max and I have a fairy family thoughts on the best one. What, what is your official uh, markdown best Paul Thomas Anderson movie? Punch Drunk Love, easily. That's my um, number two. By far my favourite and is like unassailably my favourite. I think it is a, a perfect movie um, and just one of the most perfect movies yeah. I've made. So, uh, poster, Max has, <laughs> perfect. Um, yeah. We're all just staring longingfully geez, at the Punch Drunk Love. Just, and yeah, that poster See, is... And now I can take a little from each of you. Like I can share the best with Max and the very close second best with uh, Steven. So, hmm. that's good. Even if I uh, am disappointing you both with putting in hair and vice sixth. <laughs> Just bad. <laughs> oh, we'll get to because I know people. I, but that's that is why I like. I don't. I feel like I like a lot of the offbeat Paul Thomas Anderson's. I think he's a very interesting uh, filmmaker to look at his career because he likes to bounce yeah. around. He's like you know how sometimes people are like, oh, I do one for them and one for me. It's like he does that, but playing with like the audiences <laughs> of being like, oh, you really like this movie? Well, I'm going to go for a different one. And there's that amazing bit. At, I think it's at Cannes after like Magnolia did so amazingly, and they're like, what's your next one going to be? He said, I'm going to do a 90 minute romantic comedy of Adam Sandler and you can just see the glee in his voice as he says it and be like uh, and then it comes uh, out and it's obviously a Paul Thomas Anderson version one yeah. of those but it's very much just like oh that film was popular I'm going to make a weird one and then there'll be blood is really, really popular he's like well here's the master it's very strange yeah. You're like, or oh, then gosh. he'll be like there will be blood like, this is for like the the cinema heads dark yeah. shit but it's more normal than every, everything else in his filmography maybe I yeah, definitely. There will be blood feels just like here is, as we said, like canonical American yeah. movie. Like you know, you could watch it back to back with Citizen Kane and be like, yes, American cinema is strong. And then the Master and Inherent Vice is this like one-two punch of being like, I make strange <laughs> things that aren't for most people. And I'm like, good, hello, it's me. <laughs> and if oh, it... my name's Stephen Gillespie, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, put it in my veins. Yeah. Um, um, I do want to kind of. I, I didn't put this in the notes, but I'm curious to talk about it now because it's been brought up. Is I feel like the Coens and Paul Thomas Anderson's career kind of go hand in hand. They're very different, but they make mm-hmm. inherently "quote unquote" Americana films, um, and are probably the most renowned American filmmakers of their generation. Um, the only, only, yeah, probably the so. only other one would be Spike, but Spike mm-hmm. is very different from the kind of stuff. I think we'd have to say Tarantino, though I do not. I, to, I, I'm, I'm knowing that Tarantino and Anderson are good friends yeah, as well. True. Uh, Tarantino's are, are also up there, but um, just like you. He's all right. Hey, he made three great movies. That's more than I've made. So, you know. He made two great movies. That's what I would say. I don't want to get into Tarantino because Steve is going to make me defend him. And I don't know if I want to be that guy. Especially with the discourse recently, I don't feel like defending or fighting anything about him. There's stuff that I fucking hate about him and it sucks. But, uh. I mean, I saw a tweet today that was just like, please, can we stop? with the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood discourse. And I love that movie, but <laughs> just can we? It's been two years. He, he forces it by doing such shitty things. Like, oh, I can't stand that section of the book. What, you that mean like this? Out. Yeah, the, the book. <laughs> but just the, the <laughs> whole... The those at home. The book was just waved in the, the camera. The whole, uh, we, we're not going to get into it, but you know what I'm I haven't, I haven't read that bit, so well, yeah, don't spoil it. We'll save it for the great books podcast. Sure, yeah, because that, that once upon a time in Hollywood, great book. Um, hey, it could be. I'm right. Up but there. yeah, anyway, anyway. Um, Cohen's speaking of Cohen's versus Paul Thomas Anderson. Where do you guys sort of fall in this? They very like Cohen's will put out a movie a year sometimes, and Paul Thomas Anderson takes but a lot. Like it's oh sorry, I mean the Cohen's are probably similar in that 
they don't do what you would expect because you know they're sure, kind of sure. known for going you've got no country and um a serious man and all these like big weighty films but also you've got intolerable cruelty lady killers fucking burn after reading man I hate that film but you know <laughs> Oh, how could you hate that movie? It's so much fun. I need to rewatch that movie. I did not like it. I I mean, I've seen every Kermaris film, and I feel I've got positive feelings about all of them to varying degrees. Like, I like bits about them, even the ones I dislike. Um, But Burn After Reading was one that, on my singular watch, I was like... "Mm, You guys are going to absolutely hate me for saying this, but Burn After Reading, to me, is like the Coen Brothers' inherent vice. (laughs) Yeah, I think it is. I think I, I think that it's, it's somewhat of a good call in terms of like the kind of film that where it, it's it's I it's can see how they would fit similarly as filmography. It's on the it's lower end of their list, it's a completely un ununderstandable didactic work, and I still love it because that's just how good they are. Even though it's sort of towards the bottom, um, and very stupid funny, like the. I think, I don't know, I think Inherent Vice is actually more of a Barton Fink film in terms of the... Yeah, um, yeah, is no, funny, no, 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 that's... But is, is weighty in ways you don't realise, but can also just be enjoyed as just a, this is a strange, quirky sure. narrative, okay. but then has a lot of, like, meta-reflection I think it's art. a lot more personal as well. And, like, just more moving as a film, mm. but we'll probably get into that later. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so, uh, Sorry, yeah. where would you guys stand on, like, Coen Brothers versus Paul Thomas Anderson, like... How, how how would you uh, well, compare I've, them? Well, I've seen all. Of, you... I've seen all of Anderson's who... films, and I haven't bothered with the Coens. So, like, I don't know if that says anything. Not. Oh, you should. They're very. Oh, good. how many are you I missing? Brothers, but I've probably seen about half. I reckon. So you've seen the Hudsucker <laughs> Proxy, right? You know the Hudsucker Proxy. <laughs> you know for kids. I haven't gone to that. I haven't seen the Lady Killers either. You know. I... That's fine. It's not very good. That, that, that is the bad. only <laughs> Coen Brothers film that is like. It's bad. Everything else has some redeeming factor to it. Have you both seen them all? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've, I've seen them all. I believe so. Dylan, I, 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 I just a couple months ago scratched off Buster Scruggs, and that was my oh, I love that film. Which I think I, pref- had I think I very mixed no emotions country. about. Bits of Buster Scruggs are really good, and bits of it are bad. Bits of it are... Tom Waits, man. Um, how could we not realise... The Tom Waits bit is the Tom Waits, the Tom Waits bit is unbelievable. The Tom Waits one, it, it's it's like the odd number ones that I like. It's it's the last one, the Tom Waits one, and ah, I like guinea pig and the films. Scruggs one. The opposite of guinea pig I films. I don't like the ones where he decides to use Native American people in yeah a very right. regressive oh. way. Yeah, um, sure. It's just like we had so many westerns, even great westerns, that has this problem back in yeah. the '40s, and I have to somewhat be like, you know, this is how America's mentality was at the time and like see it nowadays it's even worse it says a lot where that film is as progressive as the searchers yes yes yeah um searchers a little bit more understandable given the climate it was made in uh scruggs is hot yes <laughs> it's a western it's a desert. <laughs> yeah. um yeah so that's that, 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 that that's kind of how i feel about scruggs but uh Again, every Coen Brother movie is pretty great at some level. I watched um, the Imu Zhang remake of Blood Simple last week. Someone remade um, Blood Simple? A woman, yeah, a, a woman, a gun, and a new What a title. It is bad. I did not like it. Um, but yeah, great title. And it's, it's, I don't, it's it was very fascinating to me because I feel like we have so many, um, we do have so many um, English language remakes of International yeah. Cinema because of cultural imperialism, of we refuse to meet culture halfway, <laughs> so we'll make culture meet us halfway. However, the rest of the world will not do that. Um, they realize so like oh my god it's a Zhang Yimou film yeah 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 yeah. Um, so 
when a for want of a better word, foreign director takes on a remake of an American film. It's more interesting to me because I'm like, this is not done for money. People do not want to see Imu <laughs> Chang's like, that's not like, ah, let's make let the right one in again, but make it in America because money. That's like, oh, why are you doing this? So I needed to watch it because of Liam Criterion and because it was, I'd not seen it that way. And the movie is not very good, um, but it's, it's interesting. It sounds like you're really excited for the um, Leonardo DiCaprio remake of Another Round, which I only heard about today. Another, another round. Oh. Well done. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that, I don't think that film's going to come out. I think that's going to be like the Tony Erdman um, thing, uh, where yeah. that never actually happens. I forgot that was meant to happen. Yeah. Just watch Tony Erdman. It's so good. Yeah, I, yeah, it really is. Um, I just I don't know. I feel like international film has proliferated um, in ways it should have done for decades yeah. amongst the mainstream, and I think like Parasite was a big part of that. Yes. Now I think a lot of people are just watching another round, and therefore I don't feel they. A lot of people I know who previously would not have watched a foreign film, and I was like, and I've seen another round. I don't well, see that again with DiCaprio. And I'm like, I had a friend who went to a one of those like un- screen unseen screenings, and it was another round. And apparently, there were quite a few people who awesome. even when like the title the um, certification thing came up and they saw it was foreign yeah. they just walked out yeah i i've had that a few times actually because uh, i've seen a world do the same thing with secret screenings and it's left like oh i'm excited about this everyone just left cool. <laughs> that's right. weird wow. i can't imagine doing that i uh, whatever well no but uh, that's because we're um cultured clearly <laughs> yeah i'm never ever gonna use that term to describe me ever oh my god um <laughs> i'm cultured like a yogurt <laughs> For listeners uh, at home, that was a joke. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. For, for, for people here, that was also a joke. Because it didn't very well. <laughs> you you have a couple every time we've recorded, Stephen, that are just like I don't even know how to react at first, but the more it sits, the more I laugh at it. So yeah, keep it going. Like a culture. <laughs> you know, that's how it works. Um, okay, so uh, moving on to my second my second note. At 20 minutes in, this is going great. Um, the other, it's like Inherent Vice. <laughs> we are talking about Inherent Vice. Um, the other thing we usually do when we open up the podcast is talk a bit about Oscars that year. Um, because mostly yeah. these movies were nominated for Oscars. But Inherent Vice only got two nominations. I'm going to quickly read out the adapted screenplay nominees. I want you to tell me which one is best. I saw so many films this year. This was a big Oscar year for me of watching all of these stuff. And I had lots of opinions about what I should have been up and what should not have been I up. I think so, this is the only yeah. other year besides last year, or sorry, the year before last year when there was an actual Oscars that I had seen all so of them going in. 25th. Is this 2016? Yeah. So films released in 2015. We're no, yeah. I think, I think it's right, so let me... Isn't it the year before? Because we, we got know. it a year look, late. I, I, I just want to... Blindly read the adapted screenplays oh, to you. Don't look at them real quick. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we got Inherent Vice. It's one of yeah. its two nominations. Great adaptation. American Sniper. Awful movie. The Imitation Game. Not a good movie. The Theory of Everything. Terrible movie. And Whiplash. Was that, adap- what was that adapted for? His short, own short movie, film. Short film. <laughs> God, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> From my brain, I adapted this. Like, this is the same Oscars that call a sequel an adapted film, so whatever. Anyway. But it's pretty um, clear like, which the best one is, right? I assume everyone agrees. Yeah, 
and Harry Potter's. Yeah. I know Whiplash is a really popular movie, and I'm surprised how popular it is. I think it is good, but I don't think it is a fantastic. I think film. it's all right, um, but it I'm, has been endure- it has been enduringly yeah. popular in a way that's really. I'm me. very cool on it compared to everyone else, and I think I go back yeah. to comparing it to um, the Red Shoes, um, which mm-hmm. I love, and Whiplash sort of falls in this Black Swan territory where I never, ever, yeah. ever, ever, ever get involved with any of the characters at all. And I never see their actual passion in it. Like in Red Shoes, where like the dancer like goes to Anton Woolbrook and she's like in a princess outfit, literally, and she's ascending the stairs. Like, this is her dream. I never, ever feel it. it they just have to go so heavy in Whiplash and Black Swan that it always loses me. And that's not to say it's not a good movie. It's just... it. It is a good movie. For me, it's just Giselle, Giselle sorry, is such a proficient filmmaker and such a technically good filmmaker. Yeah. Um, but that is all that he is for me. Yeah, same. Uh, and there are filmmakers that I love that are not as technically brilliant as him, but I don't know, have more like soul and pizzazz and like wit and like filmic creativity outside of just being like, this is a very well edited, very well put together machine of a film. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I think we all agree. Well, there's, on- there's only two actually good screenplays out of that entire fucking group. God, what a horrendous list. And Imitation Game won the... That one? Won the... <laughs> yeah 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 i'm i'm unsurprised it's the kind it's it's british and is about an important person therefore it's therefore good i don't i think yeah. so steven knows this but i just kind of blew my brains out by reordering my entire litter box to eliminating all half stars from my ratings literally yes, went through no all half stars three no thousand movies i've ever rated in a week it that's just what, that's what adjusted doing them it like i'd love yeah, to do it same. but it it it, it, it uh, it's pointless. It was mind numbing through a week that didn't wasn't very. Um, but I don't think I have any of those other movies higher than three, and most of them not even higher than two. Uh, some of the movies are, are just bad. Yeah, I mean, this is before um, I like properly got into film, so I have I really haven't seen many from this year. I don't think. I believe you were twelve at the time. Jesus, Max, how young are you? I'm twenty now. That's why I said so when, when, said so when, when this film came out. Might have been true. <laughs> I was what, like yeah, but... 14? Oh. Yeah, that's a, that's a 15. Sneak in. Yeah, yeah you... I, I, was, I was a little scared child back then. I wasn't going to do that. I couldn't deal with inherent I, I snuck into one button. film in my life, and that was the Halloween remake in 2018. Okay. Don't know if it was worth it. I snuck into <laughs> Alien vs. Predator as a 12 year old. <laughs> And I was asked if I was really 15. And I replied, <laughs> I will, I, actually, the story is quite fun. Like, I was I was dragged along with my cousin and brother who were close to being the right age. The film was a 15. So I hid behind them when they were ordering the tickets. They said three tickets. Oh, the person, yeah. the person, you guys are, the person looked at them like... It's all weird. In, it's, it's better. It's not better than yours. Um, it, it is better, but it's yeah, still weird. But it's still weird. Um, so they ordered three tickets. The guy looked at them and was like, there are two of you. And I put my head out and be like, I'm here too. And he's like, uh, okay. I walked in and I just went, are you sure you are 15? I went, yes. And they're like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> See, I still look like a child right now. It was a different 20. time. Like I, I, once I, I was trying to buy a 12 DVD and I was 15 and they didn't let me buy it. <laughs> and it's a really nice story. Um, I mean, it was really do you, depressing. Do you remember which movie that no, was? No, I think it was um, The Dark Knight. Or... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. I was 15. Um, if that's a... Yeah, yeah. Excuse. Hey, most people like that film a lot. So I, I'm, I'm used to being the youngest person on this podcast. 
Um, How old are so you? This is very awkward. If I twenty four. <laughs> okay. That's all right. <laughs> oh my god, this is how Janet and Nick must feel every episode. Oh, Sorry. I refuse to disclose my age. <laughs> I could be anything. <laughs> no one knows. You could no. be 15. I could be 15, I could be 12. You could still that... be 15. This alien, be reissue of alien versus Predator, that could have been <laughs> could it. happened last Back week. Back in cinemas, Alien vs. Predator. I'd watch it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's alright. When I was 12, it was great. <laughs> I wish I'd watched Alien when I was 12. So... I would have loved it. It's it's not a bad movie. Kind of oh dumb. no, Alien is not a bad movie. I agree. I agree. Oh, Alien oh, is oh, not a bad I movie. You, I thought you were, I thought you were talking Alien versus Predator. Oh no, I, I meant the original, yeah. but I mean all of them. Oh okay, yeah, that, that's a lot better. That's great. Yeah. That, <laughs> I need to. I haven't seen anything with the Predator. Edit that in my life. What? The the movie The Predator is amazing. Uh, not the not the remake. Highly, highly. Oh god, that's bad. Ooh. Anyway, the other award this is nominated for <laughs> was costume design, oh, which amazing. that's warranted. Mm. It was nominated. This is a much better class of nominations. It was also nominated along with Into the Woods. Nice <laughs> yeah. movie. You like that movie? No, I said I saw that movie. <laughs> it was bad. It is bad. They did. Uh, anyway, I'm go watch this. I'm just gonna quickly plug this. There's a music analysis by this guy called Sideways on YouTube about why the End of the Woods movie. Oh, have you? Uh, I know it? the channel. I haven't. I, don't, I haven't watched that one because I haven't seen the film. But it. it I had never heard, seen the musical before. I had watched the movie, but watching that made me mad that they did not adapt it any better. So there's End of the Woods. There's Maleficent, which is an okay also movie with. That, it, it's, it, that one has genuinely good costume design in it. It oh. does, yeah, yeah, yeah. The costume design is excellent. Um, Mr. Turner, which Ooh. is... I didn't see that. I was really annoyed. Oh. I love Mike Lee, but I didn't oh. see Mr. Turner. I love Mr. Turner. I and... need to see it. I was away. I was on holiday when it came out. Oh. That's that's a quintessential English movie. Oh, my God. I know. My partner saw it. She was just doing a um, she, history of art degree in Masters yeah, yeah. in museology. Um, so she w- went to see that with her mum. Um, but I was away. And the winner that year was Grand Budapest Hotel. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, should have won. Agreed. So do you think you would take that over Inherent Vice? Yeah. Okay. I think it's pretty even for me. But Yeah, it's 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 yeah. a tough call. Yeah, but Especially... in this awards, I'm giving Inherent Vice so many other awards that I need to play <laughs> Budapest to Bone. So. I, I cannot believe it didn't get a production design Soundtrack. nomination either. Soundtrack. Okay, production design imitation game was nominated and Into the Woods was nominated. I mean imitation game isn't bad. It's just like not good. It, it, it's okay. bad. I, I don't like imitation game at all. You can I, I wouldn't look into the, the, the sexual politics of that film. Oh okay. okay, the score that year it's not bad. Just plot for Grand Boot Pest Hotel One. Yeah. Cool. Desplat got nominated for Imitation Game. Thank God he did got the, Puda, the Budapest Hotel win over Imitation yeah. Game. Hans Zimmer got nominated for Interstellar, which depends on how much you can take Hans Zimmer, but I think it's a good score. It's one, one of the best one of, parts one of the film. One of his best scores. Yeah. I like Inside. Uh, Gary Yershin for Mr. Turner. Mr. Turner cleaned up in some of these uh, yeah. technical nominations. And then the Johannesson guy, uh, Got nominated for Theory of Everything, which... Wait, is that Johan Johansson? Yeah. I didn't know that was him. Okay, well, he's one of the greatest film composers, you know, sadly died recently. A huge loss. Um, I but was... yeah. 
his his last film was amazing and his first directed film um what was that first the, and last man was last, it last and first man I last, get it confused, last and first man which is um, really really good did you do for the score for that as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his arrival score is one of the best scores of the yes. decade if not the century so yeah far. yeah it's one of the, the best film scores i would say yeah um so a good lineup there um but imitation game swap for i think with this film like everyone uh, just kind of because like the um neil young and the can is like so famous that like everyone kind of ignores johnny greenwood's like score but <laughs> It's amazing. Oh, so oh yeah, the the Neil Young scene. Oh, well, of course, that scene <laughs> yes. of the movie. Oh, and can I, like I the almost can just tear up just from yes, and and, and the reaction. ending song as well. With like, just, and every time the song is used, and the lyrics are very playfully linked to the plot of the film, yeah. in a way that's just commenting on the film. It's always so wonderful. It's, it's a wonderful world. Um, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, the Sam Cooke song. Oh. I prefer that oh, in the trailer, to be fair. Like, I, this is what, it's one of my favourite trailers. And it, I think it's just because they play Sam Cooke. Great trailer. Yeah, I watched that trailer a yeah. lot. I was so excited for this movie. I mean, anything could play Sam Cooke, and I'm like, <laughs> cool, we're good, I'm in. Um, also, the way he uses uh, Minnie Ripperton's Le Fier yes. in the movie, which is right when like, he he's, like starts it inside uh, Doc's office and it slowly pulls out to m- going to Maya Rudolph's table Perfect. as the music increases. And that's like his her mother. And it's just like... Amazing. Oh. It, it feels so romantic knowing like that's his wife. And he's like yeah. doing this homage to her and her mother in this scene. Wow. I mean, so. the one musical point I would pick up is that we don't get to see any Owen Wilson. And I'd love to have just seen him like yeah. jamming out on the saxophone for a bit. That might have improved the film. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I also doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would learn the saxophone to be in a film. But if he did, <laughs> I mean. But yeah. yeah. Um, one more thing with nominations. Um, this has nothing really to do with the Oscars, but I'm curious. Let's say you are in the Academy. Yeah. You ha- you are casting your ballot. Who gets an acting nomination for you, and who's the best one in the movie? I'm gonna go last. From uh, what? From Inherent Vice. From, from Inherent Vice, yes. Yeah, because we're nominated for this movie because the performance and, and movie. We're, we're, we're bringing it back to the, why we're here. We're yeah, talking yeah, yeah, about Inherent Vice. I was thinking I theory of everything, but um, so lead or no, one of the wor- one of the worst performances. <laughs> oh my god! How did that win? I don't know. Anyway, but are we going uh, yeah, lead or support? Anyone, Anyone. Okay. Who, would, who who would you nominate and who's your best performance in the movie? Sheesh. Um, I mean, you can't really... Like, obviously, Joaquin Phoenix is is great. Yeah. He's, I think you can't really get away from that, especially because he's he's in it so much. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, a lot of the other performances are just kind of cameos, really. Yeah, it's, that's true. Mm. Even... Probably Brolin is next. And yeah, he has maybe so good. Twenty minutes of screen time in a two and a half hour. I think movie. he might be I my really favorite. Like Del Toro in this movie. I love Benicio Del Toro in this film. Every time he is on screen, he steals the Not movie completely. Um, so I might be like stealth nomination for Del Toro when he's talking about this, the crime of the seas. <laughs> when it's like <laughs> I get paid for work. Me. I get paid for work, Doc. I get paid for work. <laughs> Oh my god, and then when he's in the uh, police department and he's, like, supposed to be representing him to Roland, <laughs> and then he starts, like, talking about how long he can be incarcerated for, but he's like, who the fuck are you representing? You're gonna kick my client? Uh, Assault. 
And it's so sad. This I'm okay. Again, I'm gonna go back to the Oscars. I'm sorry. Just because this is one of the most disappointing Oscar years. I'm gonna read you the best actor with the knowledge of Joaquin Phoenix did not get nominated. The nominees are Eddie Redmayne for The Theory of Everything. He won. Steve Carell for Foxcatcher. <laughs> Bradley Cooper for American Sniper. No. Benedict Cumberbatch for The Imitation Game. No. And Michael Keaton for Birdman. Who that I still think should have won. I still think Michael Keaton should have won. I think that performance is, is absolutely fabulous. Agreed. It's good in a terrible movie. I, I need to... I've not seen Birdman since seeing it at the cinema, but I loved it in the cinema. Um, I need to revisit it. I've no idea what I'd think of it again. I don't know how studiously you guys have listened to this pod, but I think you if, if you have, you know that Jan and Nick and I all collectively despise Inyarito and yeah. Birdman and everything he's almost everything he's done. But I think out of those five, yes, Keaton is the best. And mm. it seems like also like usually the Oscars fuck everything up by just being like, here's this old person that did great work. Yeah. We never gave him an award. The Let's Hopkins. give him an award now. And it's like, this is the worst best actor year. And you have Michael fucking Keaton, like playing Batman as yeah, old like person. A... Like it, it's even like calling back to like when he was in his prime. This feels like the baitiest shit for an Oscar. Mm. And they're like, oh, we'll give yeah, it to the To be fair, Redmayne is also a really baity performance. Yeah, that is the most baity performance I've ever it, seen in my life. And Birdman is sort of a baity but... director film rather than actor film because of yeah. like everything that Inuritu does. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. And uh, Walking Phoenix, nowhere to be found in that. Yeah. I mean, him and Catherine Waterston yeah, should will, have, will like, as lead performances. I mean, yeah. just incredible. Is, is Catherine Waterston a lead? Oh, I guess she... her voice is of most no, of that's, the movie. That's, um... No, yeah. it's Joanna Newsom. Oh, Joanna sorry, Joanna Newsom. Newsom. I, then I would nominate Joanna Newsom because, like, I think like her voice is so much of the film mm. um, that I think that counts as performance. Like okay. the feel of the movie is. So I think much that's too progressive just, for like, Oscars. The rhythm of the words. Like the Oscars wouldn't do that. But... I know, I know, I know. Yeah. And the the couple scenes Joanna Newsom is in is fucking awesome. Yeah. She, why didn't Paul Thomas Anderson give her like a musical interlude? Not Owen Wilson. Oh, I love Joanna Newsom's music. She's yeah one of the best musical artists of the decade. What a, what a power couple! Um, I mean, her and Andy Samberg. <laughs> seriously though, and PTA and Maya Rudolph just mm. also great power couple. The I'm Danny surprised. And of their day. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Kind of works. Kind of. <laughs> I, I wish... I, I don't know how weird it would be to work with your spouse, but my Rudolph's energy feels perfect for a PTA comedic film. I'm surprised she hasn't worked with him since they've been a, together for so long. Except for this. But, uh, I don't know. PTA seems like a hard person to work with in general, and if, if you're married to the guy as well, mm. might not be the best thing. He hasn't made that Anyways, many films. Let's to talk be fair. about the movie. Either. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's talk about the movie. <laughs> it's good. Good movie. All right. So I, I might just kind of let it open into discussion. Usually I try to go plot yeah. by plot. I was thinking scene. about this today because I, like, I know that you, you like to break it chronologically, and I think that's just the worst way to do this film because it this really film, is. like, you break this film then in moments, and I go, this film sounds bad. Um, but you. Yeah. 
experiences because that, that's why I loved seeing it two days in a row because like the first time I was overwhelmed I was like I think I really like this I'm not sure why and the second time because there are clues in the film and you know afterwards that don't pay attention to the plot the plot doesn't matter and the film just keeps saying don't worry about it don't worry no one knows what's going on but the first time you're like no but I want to know what's going on and, this, and then when you get to the end you're like oh that's what it was cool and the second time you watch you're like I don't need to care about the plot anymore and you realize it's a film about characters and it's every moment is a character moment even when you think it's yeah. a plot moment is just wonderful yeah. so yeah a chronological breakdown of the film is is to do it a disservice because it is not a plot film at all, which is its beauty because it pretends to. But ah. can we have the pit? Can we have the pension conversation first? I, thought, I want oh, to yeah, have the pension conversation. Have, have you read the book, Max? Um, I have. I wanted to reread it for this because it was a year or two ago, but uh, I left it at home. So sure, I've read it when the film came out. So <laughs> okay, I'm, cool. I'm, again, I've not read it for a long time. It's, I've re- it's good. I, I don't. Oh, how sorry. do you? After you. How do you think the film compares to the book? Well, I prefer the film, but I think that is just so because, like, it gives you everything in a shorter package. So, you know, I can experience everything in the book just in, like, two and a half hours, and that's cool for me. But um, I just... I do think it works better as a film, too. I agree. I had this conversation yesterday. Like, I mean, being an English teacher, you'd expect me to feel like book, 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 book. But realistically, there are there are many texts that I think work better as film than they do on the page. Um, and I think film has this unparalleled ability to take pulpy narratives and to make like really high art out of them. I think like my best example would be um, um, You Were Never Really Here, yeah. um, the Lynn Ramsey oh, film, yeah. which, which the Great book is good. The, the book is really fun. It's a really fun book. And the film takes it and uses the visual description as symbolism the whole way through. Like, because books that rely on description and tone and atmosphere, I think, work better as films. Whereas the novel, and I had this conversation with Dylan, actually, about um, Lolita. Um, the novel mm-hmm. is the greatest medium for introspection. And if you have an introspective narrative, then it, it works to be in the page in a character's head. So Lolita works brilliantly as a book and does not work as a film, despite Kubrick's yeah. attempts. Um, whereas Inherent Vice under, is, is under a book the skin of vibes. Too. Um, yeah, I've not read Under the Skin. I, I started it, I think, and just kind of um, got bored because, like, I think mm. Jonathan Glaze just did everything that, you know, you can't oh do God, in a book. the best movie. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, when the book is about visual symbolism and when it's about atmosphere and tone, I maybe I'm a basic man, but I, <clears> I want to see that. And I feel like the world and the feel of Inherent Vice is why it is great. And seeing that on screen captured perfectly is why the movie... I think, yeah, the movie is... A, I think the movie is a masterpiece. I think the book is a a lesser pension, like it's a fun pension, but it's not one of his best books by any means. But actually, yeah. I think um, one of the bits of the book that I remember the most, because I read it more, was the beginning. And I think like that's a perfect encapsulation of like why the film is better. Like If you look at that um, intro, when you've got the narration and then uh, Joanna Newsom yeah. and... Um, what's the name? Shasta just kind of fading in gradually and then you like transition into that scene. That works like so much better than just on the page kind of straight description mm-hmm. so what is our wider pension mileage so i know actually we are all here somewhat versed in pension i have one i, see, I read one pension hey that's like... that's more than mo- there was a joke in um knives out about how no one has read thomas pension so therefore <laughs> having true, read a true. thomas pension book... which not, i'm sorry knives out amazing yeah the best yes yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah but uh i've I read one pension it's like 80 pages long it's called it's one of the Lock best 49. one you one think of the so? best books, yeah. I, the, the Crying of Lock oh, yeah, 49. Oh, yeah, it's great. Don't, don't ask me what that book was about. That's uh, the whole point. But that's the whole point of Pynchon. I, I, this yeah, is yeah, why yeah. I love Pynchon so much. Is And it's why Inherent Vice works so well. Is They are 
books about his his obsession as a writer is conspiracy and the want to explain the world and our want of human beings to mathematize and analyze a world that will never fit those things and mm. um, crying of lot 49 is all about finding symbols everywhere because it must be connected and the book's like yes. but it's not though it's just not <laughs> and inherent vice is the same being like we just want everything to knit together and sometimes it's just not and um, gravity's rainbow again is about all these like weird conspiracies about like how a man has a boner over here when a bomb gets launched over there they're like it must because it's like no actually it's just it just turns out just things happen and the world is just unexplainable and his books are so good because they get to that one of we want things to tie together and to be a plot because we expect plot out of art and out of um like mm. those kind of like cultural objects and he's just like no what if it's not that what, what if it's it? just characters and vibes and really good phrases hearing you say that sometimes men have boners and things explain <laughs> there you go <laughs> Gravity's Rainbow is just the most consummate collection of a thousand pages of amazing penis jokes. Like it has this huge <laughs> literary reputation, but it's just so many good cock jokes all the way through. Yeah, I mean, but hearing you say that, like that—that that is Magnolia, right? Yeah, I, and it's not surprising that, like, that because I mean, I, I, this is based on from years ago when I when I was reading a lot about it at the time. But I believe that um, Anderson was a huge pension fan so therefore he just put up a standing order to whatever book he releases next oh. I'm going to get the rights to it when it comes out and which is why he made Inherent Vice this could be apocryphal so check it I, I heard um, was, he was doing Vineland but, at one point I think and then gave mm, up I'm, but I haven't read that book so I don't know <laughs> no I haven't, I haven't read Vineland either um, it's one to get to um, but I'm pretty sure it was the book that came out so he was like cool oh. therefore I'm, I'm making it and I believe the first thing he did was just to type out the novel into a word processor and then just delete, 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 delete down to try and keep as That's much of it That's what Wikipedia says. Which mm. is an interesting way of doing it. Well, he said like, like a script it. would be easier to edit than a book, which is interesting at least. Yeah. I just I um, just don't think there's been a better fit for Pynchon um, yeah. than Paul Thomas Anderson. And I know there's a, there was a film recently which I hate and a lot of people really love that wants to be Thomas Pynchon so bad have either of you seen um i'm blanking of the name of it now um under the silver lake the david robert Mitchell i love movie, that film i which is I, i'll defend it's that film. such a terrible I'll movie. Defend that film <laughs> it thinks it's pinching so bad and it's just dog shit um, I, I saw the trailer i saw the way people were talking about it i it had the a24 logo but the a24 logo where i'm like i'm gonna <laughs> fucking hate this movie so i haven't seen it yet it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's the Swiss Army Man, the Lighthouse A24 logo. Oh, the Lighthouse is oh. very good. I I was not a huge Lighthouse fan. It's it's okay. Um, the the, the Vich is like a trillion times better than the Lighthouse. No. No. <laughs> both, are great, both, both are great movies. Like, <laughs> there was a I Lighthouse, just, like, there was a lighthouse like... joke I could use now and be like, you're not a fan of me, but I guess it's not the crowd for that. Um, <laughs> we would have laughed in support, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if if you want a large continuum of dick jokes, the, the lighthouse is. Yeah. Mm. And I often do. I'll be honest. Like... Possibly the best part of that movie, but um, that wasn't a movie for me to last time doing. When I saw the Under the Silver Lake thing, I was like, yes. so my Pynchon take on Under the Silver Lake is Under the Silver Lake is a book that thinks Pynchon is about the conspiracies, whereas Pynchon is about conspiracies and mass other things. And as of like gets lost in like, let's get weirder and weirder and weirder and let's escalate and escalate and escalate instead of like getting pervasive confusion running through and people like grasping at it, not making sense. And it does line it up in just really stupid ways. Just one scene that's great. There's one scene in that movie about a musician yeah. that rules and the rest of the movie just sucks. But my take on the ending of that film was 
basically what you said about um, everything just kind of falling apart and being like not what you thought. But then having you, having you explain that, it sounds like it was all kind of already done before. So maybe I'm, I'm just not well read enough to, you know, understand why the film is bad. It's just like, I feel like, the, I don't for it at all. A lot of people really love that movie. Um, yeah, it, in, in you are in more well. of the majority, Max. I, I don't think I am. It's just, I think that was pretty divisive. It's divisive. And it reminds me of, I actually really, I really like It Follows. I'm a huge yeah. horror fan, but like It Follows got like, That's he was very, movie. and I liked his previous film, um, The Myth of the American Sleepover, which I think is, is a really lovely film. Um, and so It Follows though, Amazing. he's not a horror person and he, he made a horror movie and I remember the sadly departed podcast Switchblade Sisters talked about it and he was very surprised mm-hmm. by the reaction to it um, because he didn't expect it to be torn apart by horror people on a thematic level because he was looking down on the genre and people said, actually, your movie's really sex negative and your movie kind of like, and they had these like wonderful deconstructions of like, what are you saying about this? There's this like weird like abstinence porn and he was like, I was just making a movie. Um, and that's the vibe I get from the Silver Lake <laughs> of dudes just thinks this stuff is cool and it's just making a movie. And people are attaching so much import to me. He's like, now nah, I thought it'd be fun to have this guy write every song. And like, that lady's hot, so I put her in it. <laughs> I mean, I, I should watch it again. I, I, it, was one, it was one of those, like, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where I just kind of hated everyone who liked the film, but I still really liked it. And oh, I have so many movies like that where it's like, I don't want to say a good thing about this movie because, like, everyone that likes it just bugs the shit out of me with it. Yeah. Because Under, Under I, Silver I Lake is basically it. read it in the movie. But it is really, really good. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but Thomas Pynchon wrote an internet book. Like, Bleeding Edge is a good book. Read Bleeding Edge instead. Oh, Forget Read it the movie. Just read yeah. Bleeding Edge. Um, my actual... There is a film that I will cite as the most Pynchonian film I've ever seen. Um, and I also mentioned to myself, Cloud. Is it the one you made me watch this week? No. So wanted, no, 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 I was no, just about no, to bring no. it up. All right, go, no, on, go um, on for that. Jacques Rivette's Out One <laughs> is the most Thomas Pynchon thing I've seen in my life. Including Max, Thomas Pynchon books. just let out a fucking fart right there. <laughs> that was my mouth. That was meant to be a laugh. I know it was just, your mouth, but fart noise. No, but the sense of, again, Quite, making, yeah. a, making a film that the length of it is a joke, which again is such a Thomas Pynchon thing, being like, it's just yeah. going to be long and you're going to deal with it. Making it again about intertwining weird conspiracies and it not really going anywhere. Making it about art, but the art doesn't even matter. And like the great thing about Pynchon is again, is like this like, weird like reference scale of like there's a whole chapter about a king kong association in gravity's rainbow and then he's talking about in quotes high art and then he's going to like weird like dungeon porn for a chapter and then it's like all over the place and like out one is pre-pension um but feels that way um yeah i've seen i've seen out one i was just about to say how many people have seen all about one <laughs> You've only, Just you've my three my three star review of it. On I read your three star review earlier this <laughs> what, week. What a disappointment to watch thirteen hours of a film and give it three stars. Jesus Christ! That's the kind of film you, you have would, to give it five just because you've sat through it. I know. I'd have preferred two or one. Like, <laughs> one and a half. That so, would be so like at least you are compromising like, with three. No, it's in like if it was bad, it would have been interesting because it was bad. It was just okay. 13 hours of an okay film was like, uh. Gotcha. To be is, fair, is that a recommendation? Think... Hey, the first four hours are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the next nine hours kind of suck. It's good. The film is good. <laughs> you like this, the first length of time that's longer than Lawrence of Arabia. Exactly. Amazing movie. The... <laughs> Second and third thirds after there's, there's, that. There's a whole Showa on the end that's bad. Sure. You could watch Showa instead. I, I've, I've only seen one Rivette, but if, like, I can tell that, like, 
Revet can either work for you or not work for you. And if it, it's not going to work for you, you're not going to like it. Yeah, and 14 hours isn't going to help. <laughs> no. Uh, I have the four-hour version. I might watch that. I mean, it's, it's going on my watch list. I haven't seen it before, yeah. but... Yeah, it's, it's good. It's like, but it's, it's like a, a, a pension-y thing that uh, Steven doesn't like. Well, just no, like under like, the Silver Lake. Like there you go. The like, I, I'm not, Perfect. I'm not a huge fan of Pensions Against the Day, which is his longest book, which I read over lockdown because I was like, I'll read this. And I was just like, I like the way this is written. I like the phrases in it, but it's just like fine. And I feel very similarly about um, Out One being like, this is a very well-made thing of like every moment I could say, this is very good. But as a total piece, I'm like, eh. That is just sure. me with Pension though, to be fair. Like, I just, mm, I, I, I just like being in the moment. And that works for me. Just, he writes beautiful phrases. And I, yeah. and I know I, I read in your review of a short film <laughs> made, of, made of outtakes of this movie, which is really good. Um, that I do the same as you. I will pick up a pension book off the shelf and just every now and then just like read a few sentences because they're all just so beautiful in this like really strange way of just very evocative, wistful phrases. Um, yeah. Just, and like, I'm, never end. I'm reading Gravity's <laughs> Rainbow at the moment. And like that, that's what it's been... Like I'm kind of anticipating something to click and it, for it to all come into focus at some point. But as it goes along, like I'm, I'm enjoying being in the moment. Yeah, and, but that is that book is just about. But th- there are some sublime bits in it. There's a, there's an amazing sequence about concentration camps in that book that really, Ooh. really stuck with me. Okay. Um, which we, it, just because this is such a digression, but it, it's a reminder of the dialogue and the history of World War Two that we present is not. At the, of the war there's a bit in the book where they come across a concentration camp and they don't know what it is and we like to preach the idea that we were out there fighting fascism um whereas realistically we were not it has happened that fascism was the opponent and yeah. things that we hated we discovered we were there and there is that point if you start hearing rumors early on and then being surprised by now what we see as being the cause and the purpose of the war is a is an important thing to remember and i like the way that's put across in that book mm-hmm. wow well i'm gonna carry on then I'm sold. It's good. It's good. <laughs> and again, great dictionary. You, you are English, so you should carry on. C- keep calm and do so. Yes, like, that's a joke. <laughs> that yeah. was my turn to say something really stupid. Hey, no there's only there. one of us on this podcast. <laughs> I know. I, I need to leave that to you. That, that's your job. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so, uh, I, I, I mean, as we're just talking around in here advice, because that's maybe the only way you can talk about it. Oh, um, sure. So Stephen kind of forced me into watching a movie this week, which okay, which I've, I've been wanting. to I see, said to him, is... if you if you want to watch this movie, you're going to have to watch what I think is the biggest inspiration of this film, which I think Max has seen. Um, yeah, unlike I haven't so, seen a lot. So Robert unlikely. Altman's A Long Goodbye. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had never seen it, so like, I w- I was coming in cold on that one, and um. Altman's a bit hit or miss for me. Even the ones that I love, I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch another, if that makes any sense. Like, Nashville is a great movie, but, like, I don't know if I want to watch Nashville again or anything. I mean, I Steven. personally would. I personally would love Nashville again because well, I, I will say ends so well. The ending of Nashville is one the of the ending great of Nashville time ending. Um, I, I will say I have to do Nashville in a few months, so I'll have an updated opinion. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Altman is a bit weird for me, but uh, love The Long Goodbye. And um, good. I wish we were talking about The Long Goodbye on this podcast. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, my, it's my favorite Altman movie, um, but I'm, I'm, I, I presume yours, Max, is McCabe and Miller, right? Yeah, it's, it went straight into it's my level of favourites. I mean, I just can't get enough. 
I, I mean, I went from longer by to McCabe and then onto the player, and now I'm just a bit less keen to carry on with Altman because I didn't. Oh, the player's so good. I love well, yeah, it's good, player. but like, it's not. It's not the long goodbye. It's, yeah, it's 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 not the long goodbye, and it's not McCabe Miller. Uh, but, but yeah, the long goodbye. I mean, do you get though why I said you must watch this film to talk well, about when, this? Film? When you were talking about Pynchon, where it's like you're whole, you're so obsessed in this book that there is a conspiracy, that something is going on, that there's something that I need to understand, and the end it's just like, no, fuck off. That is the long goodbye because this whole movie, it's like you know this guy has a dead wife, he committed suicide. Um, but like, he's a good guy and like, you know, Marlo knows him and it's like, he'll, he'll vouch for him. He's like, I gotta figure this out there. There's gotta be an answer. And the answer is like, nah, he killed his wife and he's yeah. just, he's bumming out in Mexico because he's a fuckwad. It's but, just, but it's also a great end of it. I think the thing I love about both movies is their perfect end of a generation films, like a turning point yes. of being like, there was a wistful time of imagination and adventure and it was beautiful and it's wonderful. And its time has come, not naturally, but it's being forced out of there. And why well, I think Inherent and, Vice... And it's, it's forced out because of itself. Yes, and I think Inherent yes. Vice does it with the Manson murders. And, it, the, and Long Goodbye doesn't do Manson murders per se, but it's like we are inherently forcing out by going in so much on this sort of wistfulness. But that's why the title of Inherent Vice is so good. The sense that these things yeah. will happen, these things will break, these things will bust, that there's nothing you can do about it. That sense of inevitability. And what yeah. I love about Inherent Vice is 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 the commodification of the things that are beautiful in it. That um, you have this amazing, quirky character at the centre of it who is just so joyful, but you know cannot exist in the real world. And I was talking to you about it. What I love about this film so much is, is the repetition in it and the strangeness in it and the coincidences. It has this cast of characters who keep intersecting in ways that make no sense at all. Everywhere yeah. you go, it's the same five characters. And it makes it seem like this is the world and for me that conveys it, it works better as a metaphor that that time just people felt like that was the limits of the world and for the whole film you can feel the wide world of society encroaching in and encroaching in and encroaching in like it's the adverts on tv it's been the background it's that amazing scene which just the military just like walking up to the um <laughs> sex parlor for no reason but it's like the next thing's like there's these things in the background that are just encroaching encroaching and then it gets this like tragic ending in the sense of no society caught up a few people and then it uses them to sell them back to them like Beyonce who hates hippies dressing up as a hippie it's like it's going to take everything you are it's going to take the soul out of it and it's going to sell it and it's going to package it and it's going to sell it to you and ruin you yeah wow um that was a lot of cynicism right there it's but it's true it's true and it happened no 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 no, it is and but this film has been like but the film isn't a cynical film because it, it it's very much like it celebrates the candle being lit, um, but is aware that it is going to burn out. But it is about like the brightness of the flame being beautiful, and therefore we should we should be happy to see it happening if we know yeah. it is going to die. And it's more the point of being like this thing did not have to end. I think is what the film is going for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think the Manson murders mean as much to this movie as it does to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is sort of a similar time frame where even though the Manson murders aren't like a physical part of this movie it is like a representation of like there was this like sort of hippie peaceful culture that has become twisted into a Mm. cult that Mm. did horrible horrible shit and in this one it's like everyone is so afraid of these gatherings and these cults and like that's the the sort of like pinch and conspiracy that like worry in it is all built around that sort of air that Manson has taken up in the world and so I guess that's what I mean. I mean, I yes and no, because like, I think there's, there, is a, there is a huge absence of Manson in this film where like he's mentioned about twice and in a way that's like very offhand. To me, it's very much just like 
the film makes it so clear people are using those things as excuses to enact the things they've always wanted to do there is such a heavy corporatized yeah. presence in this film of very like by the book corporate looking police figures and even Bjornsson feels to be like this dying thing that they are using to kick the thing out and then he's going to be the next thing that goes so that his mm-hmm. partner is going to go and like there's that sense of like and like even with nods to Chinatown at the end this idea of like it's all about land ownership and it's all about buying mm-hmm. up the literal things that you live in to take you away for me it's very much about corporate not about i don't know mm-hmm. paranoia around hippies I, I think they kind of weave into each other and like mm. one is feeding off the other um it, it's got quite a lot to do also with just the suburbanization of america yeah which is terrifying to me i absolutely hate what has happened with that and it, it's still happening uh but given that the guy's like a, a landowner and stuff it uh yeah plays a pretty prevalent role there's the shot where it's like they, where there's like the sex parlor there just in the middle of nowhere and there's just all these signs in dirt just being like for sale mm. how is this coming and i see that everywhere in albuquerque and it's just like jesus fucking christ and you just, just have him oh sorry 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 max i've spoken enough <laughs> jesus christ i'm just gonna say that like that scene that's after um the guys visited him right in uh, his office and yeah. he said like uh that 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 was his home wasn't it and it's been completely taken over and it's like just a desert basically yeah but i think that's why people hate this movie so much because they really do people really hated this film audiences critics loved it because it's such a critical darling film so people like us who are into film in quotes um also like it or love it but like the film happens in the background the stuff that we are looking for of the film is the bits off the side of the screen the things mm-hmm. that's being told through like the and which does actually link to um, mccabe and miller actually the sense of like this set being built over time the yeah. story of the yeah. film is as much the location as it is what's happening in it but this film i don't get why people hate it so much because i sent the student message dylan but the film could not be clear enough with telling the audience stop paying attention this doesn't matter like every fifth line it's much doctor saying i don't know what's going on <laughs> and then i've got friends who's like i didn't get it i'm like the character kept telling you he didn't get it and like the the movie is happening in the background and the whole point is you're supposed to it's supposed to encroach on you and get to the end and people not getting that confuses me to be fair um this happens to a lot of movies. It just might not be their thing. I know, totally. I mean, and again, that's also why I love it. It just has its own rhythm, and either it is not going to go and meet you, and either you just coalesce with what the hell it's doing, or you're just like, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. yeah. But um, in general, I don't really hold it against people if it's just not their thing. Because um, there are a lot of good movies that just not my thing. So... But if you do glean onto this one, there is just so much fruitful stuff in it of like, it has so much to say about so many things of like, so like complex relationships. That's just, it is such a, just, just think everyone should just like, give it a try of being like, no, stop and actually think about it. Be like, the re- okay, why don't you like it? Now think about why is it doing that thing that you think is bad? Then trying to consider it. Cause I think it is one of these films that the more that you put into it, the more it will reward you as a viewer. So I encourage mm-hmm. people like, and then, then if you still hate it, that's fine. But don't just view it as a, sit down, watch it, and it was confusing, whatever, being like, yes, but what was it doing at that moment, and why was it doing that? But actually, we... So, so, yeah, you, oh, go, you go first. Well, I was just thinking, we talked about the trailer earlier, and I think the trailer, I love it, but it it, it kind of missells the film. Like, I was, in, I, was, it, I, was, I was reading today that it was actually cut by Anderson, which I thought was kind of interesting, because, like, it cuts all the pratfalls and all the slapstick bits and kind of sells it as just, like, a, a stoner spoof, but, like... When you watch the film, even in that first scene, like you're not getting any of that. 
No. Isn't that part of the gag, though? I think, like, the film exists outside of itself. Of, like, <laughs> Anderson, Anderson wants to create a relationship with the audience of the film that is repeated in the film itself. If he wants it to feel like there are people that are watching it that are like Bigfoot watching um, Doc and being like, who the hell are you? What is this? And I think he wants his audience to feel that way. So he shows them the trailer of the look, it's funny hippies, which is what Bigfoot loves. And then the movie is not that. So the audience has been like, what is this? I don't get it. I don't like it. I want this off my screen. As characters have been like, I want these damn hippies out. What's going on here? And I love that little interplay. It's just so cool to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I watched this movie with my brother. Um, mm-hmm. Now, it's curious because, I, I mean, I think you're going to be annoyed by this, but he he, he said something that uh, I think contradicts what you said, where it's like the more you give to it, the more you get out of it. He said the movie was just too unsubtle and too obvious that it was just like, okay, I get it. Times are changing and it sucks. He's like, it, 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 was, it was like it bashed me on the head for so long that I just didn't care by the end. And he said, like, the last 30 minutes, he just felt like falling asleep. No, but no, no but... It's so, hard, it's so hard to respond to because it's so wrong. It's like... <laughs> but I think what's interesting with me is, like, I do love this film. It's one of my favourites. But everything that you've been saying the last, like, 10 minutes, that's not stuff that comes to me when I watch it. Like, I think that I just respond to, like, Doc and Shasta the mo- and, and Bigfoot kind of more than anything uh, at least mm-hmm. now I'm familiar with the with the plot and yeah. well, as much as I can be. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the moments that made him say that. One was when uh, Bjornsson is sucking on the chocolate banana like a penis. Oh, that's so funny! That's funny. <laughs> that it's like the homer, but that's because like, but then it's the homoerotic charging of of the film, and there's the reference later in the movie when he curls up and puts his hand over his ass of like repeating that back of the the homoerotic imagery that yeah. is used the whole way through is. But like I don't, I I have a bone to pick about people that use subtle like it's the only thing that films should be, and that films yeah yeah it, have to be subtle. It, it matters like how you're using your subtlety or not using your subtlety. Mm. It, it, either way can be good. It's just in the execution of it. Because that moment's just meant to be weird. That moment's just there to just be silly for the audience <laughs> and for like this character not really understanding or understanding, and the character's being like, eh, and that's just great. <laughs> The the other moment I think that I remember for sure was when um, Doc is going back to the police station and like one of the cops like elbows him onto the ground and then he like he's like cowering and they're like walking over him literally. He's like he's like, oh, this is just so obvious. No, but those I think those two moments are really nice because the first one you get him like falling over and then the second one he's just there like on the floor and it's just really and you've got like the Greenwood score over it rather than any like uh, diegetic track and it's just kind of it's just kind of sad and that also is just the movie he's just this he's just this vulnerable thing that things are being done to the whole film like he is just this little thing in the middle that just wants to be solving crimes doesn't really care about solving crimes he just wants to be a pi because he thinks a pi is cool i don't know if he is a pi i'm not convinced he even is a pi and he's just doing his thing and the whole world just just takes that glint of enthusiasm and that want to just live one's life and is just feeding off it and feeding off it and feeding off it. And that, that moment, yes, is a on-the-nose moment of being like, this is silly. But it's also the entire film in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that's what clicked in my last viewing, is that I've, I put it in my review, I think. Like, this wouldn't work if he wasn't so happy, like, the whole, all the time. <laughs> He's just so nice. Him being, him happy is my favourite part of the movie. Every time, just seeing him, like, trying to solve cases and meet people and 
having a vibe. That's my favorite part of the movie. He's just like a literary character thrown into the real world. And I feel <laughs> the same about Long Goodbye. It's that idea of being like, here is a hard-boiled detective or a clearly fictional construct just up to reality. And reality just destroys it, but also loves it. And being like, this thing is weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, that's one thing that came to when you were uh, saying about that. I've always wondered what his office is. Like, am I being stupid? His office looks like it's his because it, it looks, looks like a hospital. Like, uh, yeah, he, it he looks couldn't. like a, it looks like a closet, a storeroom closet in like a hospital. Yeah, is that? They, am I meant to know? refer to him as the doctor at some point? Like, there is. Like, it is again. I don't. The thing <laughs> that I go back to this movie is. It is such a mastering of the subjective lens of do not take anything in this movie as sacrosanct or as actually happening. It is so wants to put you in this person's shoes who is high all the time, who's probably drunk all the time, who does not know what is going on and is perceiving connections to the world that don't exist. So it makes those connections. And the way the film is edited, the way the film is scored, there are purposeful mistakes in it. There are scenes that yeah. don't fit into other scenes. There are purposeful continuity errors. Like all the way through, there are all these little things being like, this is not real. This doesn't make sense. At some point, it's gets pretty overt with it with like the Bigfoot just eating that whole like block of weed like that is obviously like a that is like and, then, and the fact that Bigfoot can just kick a door down and then also when he just like mentions or when his Bigfoot name, talks to him through a com- yeah it's just a commercial it's... of Bigfoot he's like hey doc I know what's yeah. up doc but then but then he's saying he's what's up doc as well so <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then, but then it's just a thing that people just do say as well. It's the sense that coincidence exists in life and therefore you're like, no, that's being to me directly. And just the way that it, it uses music against itself, that moments are scored as being really important that are actually really unimportant and like moments of the B-plot are like framed as if they are climactic moments where they are nowhere near that at all. It's just so good at this subjective confusion of stranger in a strange land that is not to pass anything and it just shows up to the viewer perfectly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I have a question. Um, I, I don't know how if you guys listen to this movie podcast called The Rewatchables. Occasionally, yeah. I have to. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I, I'm not a Bill Simmons person. I don't know if either of you guys know who Bill Simmons is because he's I don't know who mainly that is. a sports guy. What? I don't know who that is. He, he mainly is a sports guy. Um, ah. I'm not a, oh. I am not a big Bill Simmons fan. I, okay. Can't. I don't, I mean, I haven't listened to the podcast religiously, but. Yeah, like, it was, it was I right. only listen if there's like an episode that there. Um, oh yeah, that yeah, they, yeah like exactly. of, a, of a movie I love. Yeah. Um, but one they have these like categories of things at the end where it's like, uh, oh yeah, who was the best like person that just showed up? That's like, oh, it's that guy, but you don't know their name or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of their categories, in titular from the podcast, is what is the most rewatchable scene. And this is a movie I feel like more than most movies I can go back and just like you guys were saying with the pension book, just mm-hmm. read a section, and just be like, great. I needed that hit. What is the scene from this movie that you can just rewatch and just like you'll go back to and just be like, I need the hit of this scene. The first one. Oh, the opening? The opening scene. Well, the I think yeah, the, the opening is perfect. I would say this, okay. this, uh, I think it's a thing with PTA like this and the master. I've gone back to and I've watched like 40 minutes and then just turned it off and been happy with that because I just love living in that world. But I think that the first scene is probably the best because, um, I mean, that meeting with Shasta is just, for me, that, for Catherine me, for Watson me, that's the half the movie. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I would agree. And just like any moment where music is being used to inform it, that is just used so well. <laughs> that's uh, every yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah. But then, 
I also I think we mentioned earlier. I think the, like the, the Neil Young scene as well that would be one that I that, that I would go back to. Oh damn! Um, yeah, <laughs> I should have said that because <laughs> that is it. That's that's for me the the heart and soul of the movie is just them in the rain. They're like huddled up next to like a drive cleaner or a dry cleaner thing. It's yeah. just what what's the Neil Young song that's played? It's uh, Journey, Journey, Journey through the, the past. past. Journey to the past. Through the past. Um, prepositions. No, but it's not for me. It's it, it's that scene and and it's the cut to then him walking up mm. and it's all developed and it's all sunny, but equally his memory is gone. He's alone and it's just kind of horrible. Yeah, and like Stephen's saying, it's like a passage of time. Like he, that's a clearly like this was something from the past where we were feeling wistful and we were more free. And now mm. uh, he's having to walk into a police station and do a bunch of bullshit with Bigfoot. Him, just, his name being Bigfoot's amazing. <laughs> just... I don't. All the names are funny. Like Pynchon has that. Like this sounds like a stupid reference, but has that George Lucas thing of being like everyone in this just has the greatest name. Um, yeah. I don't know why, but everyone just has the just the most amazing name. I was also because I confused Dylan with this, but I feel like the the film is so aware of so many things that exist around itself. I feel the film knows that Benicio Toro is in a shitty movie called The Wolfman and knows it's very, very funny when a guy just points at him just says Wolfman repeatedly and goes like Wolfman makes him say Wolfman all the time. It's just this film knows outside of itself in a way that most films do not. So so Stephen messaged me the other day like something like, I can't remember exactly what he said, but she said Benicio Del Toro and Wolfman in the message. And I was like, oh, he's talking about the Benicio Del Toro Wolfman movie. And you're like, great oh, movie. Geez. People don't understand its tone. It's so funny. There's all these witty... And I was like, I haven't seen it, but like, I could totally see how like there's this genre picture. Benicio del Toro, so this weird character actor, he's like playing it up in this movie. He's like, people don't see like the movie knows like what kind of movie it is. Like, yeah, I could see like a Wolfman movie knowing it's that kind of movie. It took literally ten messages for him to say something about Walking Phoenix, and I was like, oh, <laughs> wow. That's right. But also, the ending of this movie, I think, is a scene of just like all the juxtapositions of this man making a deal with a child who is totally not involved in the thing and like asking a child about a grand conspiracy and the child's just like what and, sure. as, the, and as the music is playing which is like the music which is just the purpose of the end but all the lyrics are just saying i don't all the, again all the lyrics have been like don't know what's going on don't know what's going on all i know is and it's like what i know is that i love you and it's like yes this is a love story the chorus film is just that it is a love story between a time and a place between characters and all this other stuff didn't matter doesn't matter and never mattered and this one child being asked about this global conspiracy and the child's just like don't know <laughs> like, no neither do i just flip them off and just like fuck you <laughs> um yeah uh I, th- this is one of those movies that like there there are so many great movies where like i forget exactly how it ends mm. Mm. i don't know if that ever happens with you guys it happened with uh barry linden I watched it the other day with my brother and like, I know there's like the, the duel towards the end, but then I kind of like forget how it all sort of wraps up after that. You know what I mean? There's a lot of movies like that. I just watch me. too many films. So I'm constantly forgetting. Um, that's which true. Is why I'm glad I have Letterboxd. So I'm like, the, what did the I, think? Thing... Like, I know what I think about it. Let me check. Oh yeah. That's what happened. Good. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That one happened recently too. Um, Good movie. But there, there's a lot of, it's weird that there's a lot more mo- great movies that I don't really remember how it ends because it just it just resonates and I don't need to mm. know the particulars of it. But this was another movie where it's like, so I know he like gets away from the henchmen and like 
he sees the FBI with the dude, and he's like in this state. It gets and I was kind like, of gritty at the end, though. I do like that it actually gets a bit brutal. Not like like he can get more brutal than this. Oh my god! Like, when it, he t- fucking picks up the toilet seat, I'm like, oh no, I'm good. Again, the encroaching reality of this film would be like it actually he is way over his head, and it is real bad. It's real nasty of being like if you mess with these kind of realities, it will bite back. Which oh, actually no, I know what scene I would pick. The dentist scene. <laughs> I was going to bring that up next. The entirety, next the entirety of the dentist scene. It's like, it's not groovy to be insane. It's just just a steering wheel. sounds the movie. He just walks in holding his... <laughs> half this movie is obviously not happening. Like, that is not a thing that happened. Yeah. Um, the other... I, so I had two lines written down. One was, it's not groovy to be insane. The other one was just... Can we just try to pretend to be professional? I feel like both of those movies sums up the entire movie itself. It's uh, but and, um and the bit when the guy says that he realized that housing should be free, which is the most like piss take of like a billionaire come to Jesus moment. Because the way that moment works is because he's right, but he's not right for the reasons that he thinks is right. It's like yeah, exactly. he has stumbled onto the actual truth, but in the wrong way and is never gonna apply that logic. Exactly. And, uh, he's never gonna do shit about it. He's just gonna go be a hippie himself. With his yes, he becomes dollars. millionaire hippie, and the future is millionaire hippies, which like you know fire festival and shit. Like this is this is it, it went that way. We are living in that. Yes, I mean that is an amazing oh. moment because like that should be that should be the end, shouldn't it? Or that should be like yeah. that should be the moment that you go back to the the climax. But yeah. like it's just sort of weird. Like that, yeah, that's, that's like that's almost the, the moment that I always forget. Doc, like, is that they actually up meet. Those stairs at him just being like <laughs> peeking out. <laughs> Like, the biggest plot revelation is the most unimportant thing in the film. Where they find the dude, he's like, yeah, I'm here, and it's fine. You're like, oh. Anyway, back to the Golden Fang, which maybe is about dentistry, (laughs) or maybe it's a boat. You get that dissolved with the newspaper, like, he's found his family again. (laughs) Now, back to the rest of it. Well, I also love about the dentist, is, like, they introduce the dentist, and it's this, like, crazy scene, and, like, he's literally living in a Golden Fang in his office. (laughs) And it's just, like, it's all going to come together. And then the dentist is just dead the next scene and you're just like yeah what is that but the the society of dentists is the most pinchonian thing ever like it goes yes. back to the the mail carriers alliance in crying lights <laughs> all these things have been like he just loves this idea that like everyday workers but like respected profession people are in weird syndicates which is a great idea because in some ways like those professions do in the same way like this is the most ridiculous point the same way we saw in like the pandemic of the people that have been just like brought down and denigrated society are the people that make the world go round this idea that the mailmen are a secret society that makes the world go round has a foot in truth is like no actually they are more like the controls of the world you'd like to think and dentists are more of the controls of the world you'd like to think and it just has just half a toe in reality and half a toe in utter surrealism and just Thomas Anderson's visual style is just perfect for it yeah because that scene is really beautiful when he like goes into the um, the I don't know the side bit and there's all the dentists like and you get the fade in of J- Jenna Malone just being like these are fake and you suddenly realise or and when not. he leaves and comes back and they're all asking about the same person <laughs> like you this person I'm this person are you this person okay can, can we talk the Jenna Malone scene is great she is so well cast for like that weird Owen Wilson uh, but this the part where she's like the, the baby looks hideous because it sucks ah! all the <laughs> it's so funny I, I was I cry laugh every time I even you see, I was reading a review, I think it was the review in The Guardian, I think, uh, in the UK here, and it was like a five-star review, like, uh, totally in praise of the whole film, 
And the one bit that he thought was a bit like tonally off was that one scene when he screams at the photo. And I was like, how can you go with the whole movie? That is and... the tone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But why that movie? That, that, that's, that's the Inspector Calls moment to be again wanky about <laughs> it of you don't know what he's seeing on that photograph. And that like it oh. not showing you the photo is why it's so great. Because I've no idea what Doc saw there, but I bet it wasn't what he was shown. He just like his <laughs> twisted mind, he just like he saw something is wrong, he is twisting, and he's just like, oh he probably just saw the devil or something and was just like freaking out and just not showing you what he sees and his reaction is a great way of being like, this person is gone. Don't know what's going on here, and this is the plot now. I guess I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, it's the most subjective so, viewpoint, but also the least because you never see like what he actually, uh, what Doc sees. You don't get any like weird POVs of like trippy visuals or anything, which, which is, is just so perfect because he's not supposed to understand. So you don't understand what he sees, but you're only limited to what he senses and what <laughs> is around him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. One of the things I wanted to talk about was, like, quote, unquote, the, these total inconsistencies, like, we're talking about. How, like, uh, there's the scene at the end where it's been, like, sort of this weird inspector movie, but then he suddenly is bashing a dude's head in with a toilet mm. lid. Yeah. So smiling and laughing. Yeah, I, I, I like the gore, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I was listening to a podcast. Because, like, if, if I'm watching, if I watch a movie recently, I'm like, I'll just go find the podcast to listen about it. Um, I was listening to this Inherent Vice podcast, and the the host and this guest they had on just kept on driving me crazy because they're like, I think the only big problem with it is it's just not totally consistent. Like I don't know why there's like there's this crazy scene where someone starts bashing his head in, or like, and uh, to be fair, I totally understand this. Is the the woman that's on the guest house is like I didn't like the scene with the sex because it was violent and like i don't really like to see sort of sexual violence on screen it's like i get it but it's like and it doesn't fit in the movie and it's like does it not like it but in a movie that's got everything yeah the, the, the movie is just this whole tone of just mellow drug and juice stupor to and now I am cogent and it's scary and then mellow drug and juice stupor yeah, exactly. and then i'm cogent and scary and that's the that's the movie the whole way through and, and like that's that, like, that's the point. And so like I didn't get why they were struggling with it, except for like I get if you, if you're not someone that likes to see something that's violent sexually on screen, like that, what hundred percent makes sense. But to say it doesn't fit with the movie seems a little weird to me because that is the movie. Itself. And that scene is kind of weird because it, it's kind of romantic as well, and it's playing yeah. with Doc's and, memories. And the and... one the one thing is I'll say is at least consensual. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that that seems like so important of like the like it's I've never there's a film I want to see but I haven't seen yet. Um, um, Lust Exposure. But have, have you seen it? Oh, the That's the, um, the Sona one. No, um, no, Lust Caution. Sorry, I'm getting. I've, I have seen Love Exposure. Love Exposure rules. Lust Caution. Sorry. The um, I can't believe oh, yeah, yeah. I accidentally. <laughs> Guess the right movie yeah. that you said the wrong title for. <laughs> yeah, we both thought of different films. Love wrong... Again, oh, I talked about Love Exposure rules. Um, Last caution: um, the Ang Lee movie, which uh, I want to see, but was like very um, controversial because the amount of sex in it. Um, and I think the studio and it's, like, it's like intense sex. Yeah, and the studio are like, you need to take out these sex scenes and people like take out the sex scenes because and keep the story. And and he was like, no, the sex is the story. I can't take them out. And 
like it, the storytelling is in those scenes and yeah. I think in Inherent Vice it's the same thing I know so much about that character relationship through the way that sex scene is handled in a way that it's integral and all the dynamics in it are integral and all the ways that control is taken and again it goes back to the Oscar Wilde thing about like you know everything is sex apart from sex which is power it is the like the most like raw expression of that of another way of using Doc but then also not using Doc but also, it's that scene is integral and it is the tone of the film yeah yeah um I agree. Um, that was weird. That, the this is one of my triggers that like if I'm like I'm done like interacting with this person, I just shut the podcast off. When at some point I was either in that or maybe it was in his Magnolia episode because he was doing like a PTA watch, but he was like, um, "I'm not a fan of movie musicals." That for some reason that's always like, "Yeah, I'm not going to interact with you." Like whatever, it's your thing, but like I don't know. If you can't lose yourself in movie musicals, I don't really know what I want to talk about. I think that's a phase that everyone goes through. Or at least it was with me. Yeah, no, I, I, I think so. I did it in middle school, and yeah. because I know that mindset I had in middle school, I'm like, yeah, I'm not really good. But then you watch Singing in the Rain, and you're like, you're good. Well, yeah, it, it, for my thing, it's just like, no, you've just been seeing the wrong movie musicals. Let me show you the ones that you should see. Look, these are great. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you do show them, and then they're like, yeah, still don't. I, I challenge anyone to dislike the umbrellas of Sherbrooke. Just you know, like <laughs> undislikable. Oh. Cry. I I one time saw someone compare the umbrellas of Sherbrooke and La La Land, and that kind of was that person Damien Chazelle, in which he <laughs> used the plot of that movie for his movie and spoke about it. Is it the plot? Is it a similar plot? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the same movie? No. No, no, because it's 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 the musical sequences of the Young Girls of Rochefort with the plot of Umbrellas of Sherbrooke. <laughs> I've never seen Young Girls of Sherbrooke. Um, uh, umbrella. Sorry, I've never seen Rochefort. I've only <sighs> ever. I've, I watched uh, twenty minutes of that last night because I watched In the Heights with my partner Emma, um, and we both thought it was kind of crap. So I was like, "You need to watch the beginning of um, Young Girls of Rochefort to see like how to do this." And she was like, "Yeah, that's amazing." I was like, "Yeah," and that's the film. It just keeps going. <laughs> okay. Um, that's interesting because I know Jana saw In the Heights and she loved it. So, but I've so heard most people. Yeah, I've heard mixed things. Um, some people, and I think it's just like, are you a Lin Manuel Miranda fan? No, I think Hamilton is crap too. Yeah, and so it's like if if, if you're not a fan of, not for you. If you are a fan, go have fun. Yeah. So. Max, do you want to get? I, haven't, I, I mean, I haven't seen it. <laughs> you just, you were just sitting there looking at us like I don't know if I want to get. <laughs> I was like completely over my head. Just like, oh, controversial territory. I've heard a bit yes. of Hamilton and kind of got bored, so I thought that like two hours plus of uh, In the Heights just wouldn't be for what me. What about like if you've heard of rap music and you don't like the idea of rap music <laughs> and what it stands for, but you do like musicals? There's this show called Hamilton. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess in music it would be like. If someone says I'm, I don't like rap music, that's the other thing. That's I think. Mean, all right, yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're two different people. And Hamilton so, is to rap what the Foo Fighters are to rock. <laughs> I don't like the Foo Fighters. like, yeah, this is this is what people think this genre is. Yeah, sure. Anyway, I, I don't well, want to cause it made them successful. Than... Yeah, no, totally. I, and Hamilton is very successful. <laughs> I'm like, good for Lynn, you know. For me, it was like, I can go back to the cinema for the first time in 15 months and watch In the Heights or In the Earth. And I'm going to go for In the Earth every time. I wish I'd seen that in the cinema. That movie is good. 
rules. In the earth. You like it more than I do, and I always, and I thought that it ruled. I don't I know if it's out in America yet. Like uh, indie British know. horror, and it will blow ben, your okay. socks off. Ben Wheatley, who Max and I both love, um, like screams British and indie. So wait, it, it, was it directed by Ben Wheatley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ben Wheatley is either very hit or very miss for me. I mean, so. I've seen all of his movies, and all of them are very good. hit. He <laughs> made he made it like in the pandemic it. though. So yeah, I've also met Ben Wheatley, and he gave me a hug. So there you go. <gasps> that's the best story. What's your what's your favorite world. Ben Wheatley? Kill List. Yeah, that is the best. That one hit for me. That's hard. good. Field Kill Field in England for me. Oh, Field in England is so good. <laughs> they're, all, they're all so good. My yeah, friend stole my DVD, good. and I'm still mad. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think Kill List is like quintessential uh, British fucked up society. Like Kill List destroyed be... me. Like I remember yeah, it's watching just like you it. You get to the end, you're just like, I put it on. I was at uni at the time, and I put it on at one in the morning as a film to watch. So it finished at three a.m., and I was like, I need to watch another film because I can't deal with being alone in sleep right now. No, I was like, no, I need to put something happy on. I was like, Jesus. See, I watched it on film four at like eleven a.m. And that was probably equal, equally weird. Mm. That's like commercial British TV. Sorry. Yeah. There's a lot of that movie that takes place in bright of day that is yeah. still terrifying. So I think it would still yeah. be effective. Yeah. Yeah, but the bits um, at the bits at night are like, you know, they're at night. I mean, the whole, and <laughs> just well, not go there. You know, I this is one of those movies that I, I I don't feel bad spoiling a lot of movies on this podcast because one they've been out a while. And two, mm-hmm. like, ah, and I, think... I think you can watch things without spoilers, but like, I don't want to talk too much about the yeah. kill list ending. Cause... Yeah, like, it goes back to, like, for me, spoilers again, the switch list thing is like, it's how something happens, not what happens. But yes, the yes, what yes, happens yes. is integral to the how it happens in kill list. The how it, it happens is so what happens. Important. And like... Especially building to what the ending is. It's just like. Welcome to our Kill List podcast, um, where we talk about Ben Wheatley's Kill List. Yeah, I know. But I, I do think, like, Ben Wheatley's Kill List is a similar thing to Inherent Vice of, like, let's take this quote-unquote normal society and, like, kind mm. of show what's going on underneath that that is a problem. Also genre play, if you think it's this film, yeah, oh, by oh the way, God. it was this film. When, when you start Kill List, you're so sure it's, like, some sort of, like, I don't know what the right comp would be, but, like, action... Well, no, it, it just starts as, like, British family PTSD trauma. thing of being, like, this person's come back from war, I'm going to yeah, deal yeah. with their, their trauma. And it is yeah. that movie, and all of the movie is him dealing with trauma, but it uses the, the metaphor goes... of a completely different genre to do that. Mm. Yeah, big spiral. I'm still haunted by that bit in the middle. I can't remember. The, um, pre, the, like, yeah. No. Steven's <laughs> miming it. We, so, won't, we won't do it. Steven, we won't describe the... it. <laughs> If you've seen yeah, the movie, like you know scene, that. If bit. you like that scene in Old Boy, well, <laughs> <laughs> do I have a thing? <laughs> May I also oh. recommend The Rage Two. If you like scenes involving hammers, oh, Ooh. Hammer Cinema oh. is out there for you. Stephen, nice. that should be your next viral list: is Hammer <laughs> Cinema. <laughs> now that I am, you know, a list celebrity. Um... Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Stephen, yeah just Stephen rank all the original Hammer Hammer movies, and then just like put <laughs> Kill Us on the end. Yeah, it's just all about horror, and then it's just the raid too. <laughs> and old boy, cause yeah. oh yeah, and old boy. Oh god, yeah. Bah, uh, yeah. Um, Again, the, the, as I have mentioned off the podcast, but not on the podcast, uh, the first date movie that Emma and I went to was I took her to a screening of Old Boy. 
Max had the same reaction that I did when uh, Stephen mentioned me that time. It was our, our second date. I got to pick to go to the cinema, and I was like, yo, they're doing a reissue of Old Boy. It's a really good movie. <laughs> I think if you're together after that, like you, you're, mm. you're just sad. That was a while ago now. Yeah, because yeah, on the last episode I was with Nick and Jenna, they were talking about like their first date movies, and Nick's was Moon, which... Oh, I love that's me. Existential to watch for first date movie. Um, do you have do you have do you have a good first date movie story, Max? I don't think I've ever been on a cinema date. What would you take someone? Let's say that you're dating Dylan. Let's say you're taking Dylan to the cinema. Yeah. Um, uh, what are you What are you taking Dylan to see? <sighs> Is it Inherent Vice at eleven p.m.? I'd ra- I, I'd rather take him to Inherent Vice than In the Earth. I think I. I think In the Earth is too far. Uh, I'd go. I'd probably go Inherent Vice. If you don't like that film, you, uh, we're not gonna. We're not gonna get on. That's fair. I like it. I don't like it as much as you guys, but I like it. And again, old boy, Emma did agree. It was a great movie. Yeah, perfect. It's a great movie. Yeah, we can't disagree. I'm trying with to that, figure out if if. Oh, wait, do you not like Old Boy? No, I, uh, we can't disagree. Oh, like, we yeah. can't disagree. Okay. Um, I'm kind of I'm trying to figure out if Old Boy or The Handmaiden is the better date movie. Oh, The Handmaiden would be a good date movie. That's romantic. Yeah. That, that, for me, yeah. this is a, it's a step, It wouldn't be for for normal people. But like, <laughs> to be fair, the, the last third of that movie when they sort of yeah, Handmaiden might be another one where I don't necessarily want to spoil it. But where I'm they gonna rank of... Park Chan Wook's movies by are they date movies? <laughs> <laughs> Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is pro- is the worst, yeah. surely. Oh god, yeah, no, I that is rough. I don't think I would. I would not. I've take never seen it, but I, see I, I know what it's about, and it uh, bad, work. Mm, bad. Yeah. I wouldn't take her to see I'm an Android, but it's okay as well because that movie is like it's fine, whatever. I feel like Stoker <laughs> could work. Stoker's good. Oh yeah, Stoker's fun. It's all right. Yeah, I haven't seen Stoker, but it's fun. I think it's Oldboy sure. and Henry are the only two Park Chan Wook movies yeah. I've seen. I've seen I've seen all of his features apart from his first one, which he tried to deny, and I'm watching that one soon. Okay. Um, just go I for think, the Vengeance think, trilogy, I reckon. Yeah, but, just like back to sure, back. Sure, sure. The Fade yeah. to Black version of the last one to really feel dour at the end as well. Like, Yay! You turn to your partner and be like, "How was it? Yeah, vengeance, like, huh?" Um, if you dump I, me, I really. <laughs> I, God, God, Jesus. just emotional abuse in the cinema um i do think uh while we didn't talk inherently about inherent vice uh that much talking about our vices around inherent vice mm, and cool. uh, the movies that relate to it um in this um completely uh, disconnected way might be yeah. the truest way to talk about inherent vice because uh usually in this podcast i know where we're going to end with the film discussion itself um so i don't know where we're going to end but I, I would like to say um this, this might be a good place to end but if you guys have anything else you want to say about the movie in particular i mean i just want to say that um because we haven't really talked about like the emotions i don't think or i haven't yeah and Neil young scene oh for sure <laughs> but it's a film that i think i find like more melancholy each time I watch it. And sure, I agree. It is very melancholy. Especially watching it after Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread is much funnier than Inherent Vice. Yes. <laughs> okay, Phantom and it Thread is not, not getting enough credit by being so funny. It is hilarious. Yeah. 
the ending of the scene where Daniel Day Lewis starts eating the mushroom and he's just like looking at Nicky Graves like because hmm? <laughs> he he knows he knows yeah, and he's, he's loving just, it. Like, eating, like, I think you want me. Yeah. To, you want me to do? All right. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's so funny. Yeah. Any ending of any movie, I can go. This is kind of like Cronenberg's Crash. Is just a movie that I enjoy immensely. <laughs> Honestly, Phantom Threat is a, probably a great date movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Where it's like relationships are really messed up. And then you go out for but, mushrooms afterwards. But we'll, we'll figure out a way to make it work for the two of us. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully not in the way they, they do it in the movie. Yeah, no. But yeah, I, the, the emotional core of this film, I, this is actually my most watched Paul Thomas Anderson film. It's not my oh, favourite, yeah. but it's the one that I've seen the most because I find it just really easy to slip on every now and then yeah. um, and just, just wallow in it a bit. And I think it's because I do... I'm not always the biggest kind of like character person. I'm more of a... As I think it's when I talk about film, I'm more of a what is this film saying to me person. But okay. I just love just spending times hanging out with these like folks. Like they yeah. are really involving. They're fascinating. I love the way they interrelate with each other. I love the moments of like Bigfoot at home by himself, who calls up yeah. Doc kind of as a joke, but also because he needs someone to talk. His to. son pouring Wait. out his whiskey like Wait. right yeah. to the brim. <laughs> the scenes with Do- uh, Bigfoot at his house are so good. It is the most garish suburban <laughs> looking thing from the seventies, and. Um. Doc is just this lonely pisswad that's like almost prank call or Bigfoot's just like he's like almost prank calling Doc because like when he's not prank calling Doc, his wife's just like beating him around and like being like, What the hell are you doing? <laughs> like in, in his office with his job, he's like this menacing tries to act menacing well yeah because the the police say they don't care about him as well this is why I'm going to put your brother on blast again of like it is a times are a changing movie but it isn't just for for Doc it's a times that are a changing movie for Bigfoot as well like it is this dual narrative of and it's it's not the heat thing of being like not the heat that's a different movie heat thing um, (laughs) of you know we're not so different you and I cops criminals etc etc it is just very much like here is a moment of time of different people and their time is gone because of encroaching corporate capitalism, um, which mm-hmm. is why I think it's so much more than just a time gone by, times are changing. It is such a, not overtly political film, but it is aware of a of a political changing. Mm-hmm. But it's also uh, to do with character there as well, because um, I always forget the whole like Vincent in, Tele- in Delicado subplot about... <laughs> All the names are so good. <laughs> <laughs> but like his ex-partner who got killed on duty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that, I mean right. that, and it's clearly got to Bigfoot, and you kind of feel sorry for him. But th- I think that's the time that it's a change, though, isn't it? Is it's that sense of like human connection because like there's that bit in the voiceover says like Doc always respected the camaraderie of the LAPD. Mm. Um, yeah. This idea that, that was, was the thing. only thing he respected. Yeah, but I think but that is another clue to what the film is about. The film is about our connections between people, and that's why the um, the Shasta thing is so such a great plot point because all she does with Doc is take advantage of the connection that she knows they have. Is all about yeah. the most important thing, and that's why it's a web of connections, and that's why it's characters going about. It's like our society is becoming depersonalized, and that's we get those. Two two like corporate stiffs that are police officers that are like 12 year olds that talk is like this is not humanity this is not connections everything else is people just like oscillating around like beehive it's like we used to be and it's not like the cynical like you know technology is deconnecting us that sense of being like people and communicating and being together and camaraderie and then it's like that doesn't make money that's not profit that's not success yeah 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 um okay so i thought of 
two things I wanted to quickly talk about before we wrapped up during <laughs> that whole thing, of course. Uh, one of them is one of my favorite jokes that kind of, what I, I, I couldn't really remember about the ending, which is like after they kind of found all the drugs, uh, Bigfoot literally plants all of them on top. Yes, all of them. But does he though? No, he keeps like, one, I think he? He, he says he keeps one or two. But also, uh, but does he? Like, is that a thing that happens? Or is that just a thing that oh, yeah, Doc would do? Oh yeah, that's the thing do? is, like, we don't like, know if it's, like, intentional planting or, like... It, but there's the scene where he's sitting um, at the table and he's, like, calling up a, one of the Golden Fang people and he's, like, doing his drugs <laughs> back. And there's, there's like... He's so, he's so naive and wonderful. Stacks everywhere. Everywhere is just drugs. I feel like just sitting in that room, you would get overdosed with drugs. It's just insane, and it's you get, so you get that watching funny. the film. You, yeah, you I just remember um, the the Kermode review for the time because I think he wasn't very hot of it. That idea of being like it's that Three film. Star. He yeah, he talked about it. it. Felt like being like the only sober person in the room at a party of being like, and therefore out of it, being like, hey, if you're a bit tipsy, this is great. And if you're not, what is going on? And he felt that like that's a distance from it because this this is a passive high kind of film. I actually feel that a lot in that movie because well, we're side tangent. Um, I only drink water. It's like literally the only thing I drink in my life. And it's not for any reason besides I just don't like drinking anything else. As Steven takes a sip, you guys take a sip of your drink. <laughs> um, water, it's, it's fine. Yeah. What are you drinking, Steven? Uh, I just, I'm not even at this commit. Oh, God damn it. Because I'm not even a tea drinker, but it's just, it was too late to have a coffee. So it's too. Okay. Um, I just don't want to be so... the most British person in the world being like, well, I'm here drinking my tea for my podcast. Um, <laughs> I drink tea all the time, but I just forgot to make one for today, so shame. So but, uh, so, but be- I'd say that because quite often I'm the DD, the designated driver, in like almost any situation. Mm. So I quite find myself a lot of people like intoxicated. I'm like, okay, and yeah. that's sort of the feeling I get in this movie. Just like, all right, because <laughs> it's a it's a vibes film. The film is, yeah, is. As, as as much as how silly that word is and co opted. This film is that. It's like if you get on its wavelength, you'll just have a hell of a time because you'll just like surf it out and get a lot out of it. Yeah, and, and I'm, if I'm you like, it's way, but it's it's not entirely my wavelength. But yeah. you know, like happy for you too. I'm I'm so the reason I specifically wanted Stephen and Stephen recommended Max, and I was like, yes, is because you guys fully love those vibes, and like I wanted some people like that on this podcast to talk about that side of it because I can't really contribute as much. And I still don't really know why. I don't think you can like put your finger on if there's yeah. like a a trait in a person that means that they'll love it. But yeah, there's certain it's just pure, vibes pure that I like, resonance. But... Like it just plays at a frequency that I am attuned to, and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm down for this. And I've never not been like I never put it on and been like I'm not in the mood for it. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that bit <laughs> at the end where where. Uh, Bigfoot eats the ashtray, and then suddenly they're just, they're just like in sync. That's kind of like me with the. F- I'm just in sync with it, and I don't know why, but yeah, yeah. it rules. It just rules. Uh, the it's other so thing wild. I wanted to talk about was just some of like the deeper casting choices. We did talk about trying to figure out. Um, I, I think Hong Chow. I think that's how you're saying. Oh, she's her great. Name. Yeah, she plays Jade. And when, when I watched this first, <laughs> well, she time, comes like, back later in the movie for no real reason. <laughs> <laughs> she might have almost as much screen time as Bigfoot at a certain point because she's in three or four different scenes. Which like, is actually... part of the conspiracy thing where it's just like, no, she's just around. <laughs> like, but when, when she walks into the scene on the, the first scene she's in, I'm like, 
oh, this could go bad. This could go real bad. Like, as far as, like... Oh, in the, in the brothel place. Female representation might go, like... This, but, like, she's a really good, well-developed character. Yeah, especially, Arguably like, the films the that it's... the best-developed character in the movie. Yeah, maybe. Like, especially the films that it exists in reference of, like, it is very much in conversation with, like, Chinatown and that era of film. Yeah. Um, and, like, Touch of Evil, for example, are films that have oh, horrendous racial representation yeah. and as soon as you, and because the film knows those films you're like and i you know like put of sanderson seems like a cool guy but also occasionally he's just like mm, i don't know dude i couldn't wouldn't be surprised he put would put like it's a joke i'm like it's not a joke though is it but yeah it does not go there and it's just like nah just one of Out many of all of the white dudes that make basically purely white dude movies he might be the one that i the least am like uh that could be a problem <laughs> I mean, he, he is the only director that I can think of of that ilk because he is on the edge of film bro territory but has yeah. made a very wonderful documentary about Indian music um, and like world that, music that, can that, be that feels so respectful and non... It doesn't, um, it's not tourist. It's, it's just so yeah, good because good he word. just lets the music happen and sure. he is so uninterrogative and he uses Johnny Greenwood as his lens in being like, I'm here because I know you're interested in him and then going to find it through him. He just finds the right way of showing that story. And I was like, putting off Rob being like, mm, I'm not sure if I want to see this. And I was sure, like, no, sure. it's just brilliant. Yeah. Um, so like Coen brothers have their problems sometimes. Yes. And Tarantino definitely has his problems sometimes there. And both great filmmakers, but like PTA has never really fallen into that uh, sort of problem for me as much. Um, Steven's trying to think. <laughs> Yeah, no, I am thinking, and I, I, I'm sure if I like, if I went through a lot of his earlier stuff, I'm like, oh, actually, there are bits in I'm, here. I'm sure there's some. I'm, I'm sure it's like it's happened, but I'm sure there are bits in Magnolia that aren't great. Um, but I think outside of that, I can't think of anything that. I should know because I watched them all, but I really can't remember. <laughs> yeah, because probably there isn't. Uh, um, actually, on your rewatch, how do they all stack up? Can we go? Can we go through them? Can we? Yeah, well, I haven't seen Hard Eight before, so that was a oh, new one. Not? No, no, no. That was yeah. fun. That is a fun movie. Hard Eight was great. I, I thought it was going to be kind of boring, but... I mean, I think Philip Eaker Hall is exceptional in it. Mm. And, yeah. and the, and the uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman scene is probably the most memorable part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it's, it's solid. Yeah. It's solid, I, but and it's very much clearly not the movie he wanted to make. I mean, like a yeah. lot of like she interference, and like he didn't even get the title. He wanted to call it Sydney, was not allowed to call it Sydney. It has this weird title that does not really sell it very well. Yeah, you could tell they thought that it would sell it, but it is really fun. And Gwyneth Paltrow uh, is great, which mm. I mean, I and don't... she's awful. Yeah, she's a terrible human being. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's a non-controversial statement. She is. She is a no, terrible human. No, being. you're so right. I just like. <laughs> I just like the. the... <laughs> bluntness of that statement uh, yeah yeah just anyone at home that thinks that sounds unfair Stephen, google her or bing her whatever <laughs> awful yeah uh yeah she's quite possibly my least favorite person in all of wow life. okay I was... <laughs> and, and, and not i um, don't know let's how not, personal let's, I let's, get... not, let's not get to top trumps of horrible people <laughs> they're all they're all they're no all no they are but but it, it's more like a personal thing of like um eating disorders things are very important yeah. to me and um specifically that's like her angle of yeah almost yeah, giving yeah. people eating disorders on a daily oh yeah. yeah i think the almost there is very charitable um, yeah and so it, it, it tons of horrible people in hollywood personally for me the one that i have the most very legitimate. hate for 
because yeah. of my personal thing. And then Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights Boogie has Nights. one of my all-time favorite scenes in any film, which is the um, when they walk into. Oh God, I'm blanking on the actor's name. I know exactly. the Alfred Molina bit at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> when it's just in the corner, just like shooting a gun, and it's slightly <laughs> off the beat, and it's just the most just like no, it's a little, it's a little like um firecrackers. <laughs> okay. I've not seen it for a while. But apparently, oh, apparently just... that's stolen from a from another film. I don't know which one. Oh. But I was listening to a podcast, and apparently that's oh. from. I think it might be um, Putney Swope the. Robert Downey Sr. No, film, I, but that, I haven't seen that's it, so I don't know. need to watch soon. That's in my movie club. It keeps I don't know. Brought even up. know that is. So. It was it's made by Robert, Robert Downey, Downey Sr. Movie. Ah. But no, for me, I was listening to um, your your podcast the, uh, today about... What was it about? About Babe. About babe. Ah, it was and good. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I just wanted to pick out uh, Stephen said... Um, oh, what did he say? <laughs> You said. The, I like that Max it, opens up his notes. I've got my notes. Yeah. I had to write it down. You were talking about David Fincher, I think, and you said the less seventeen yeah. I get, the less I like this film. <laughs> and for me, that was Boogie Nights all over. Like I watched yeah, Boogie Nights when I, I was seventeen, that. and it was like yeah. the best film I'd ever seen. I loved it. It like flew by. And watching it again, it was good, but it just sort of sat there on the screen and was just flat. I haven't watched and, it in five years, so that that's yeah. that's fair. Like last time I watched it, I'd have been how do we, 20, 20, 24, and I watched it with yeah. a friend who'd not seen it before, two friends. So I like, mean, it's that so was, like a fun experience. It's really entertaining, but it, that, it, it that's it's all it was. It's a very good movie. I think I, I always kind of say this is I don't know how much I judge movies on actual quality. I just judge it by like what is my emotional reaction to it, just yeah. purely. What is that? Does it make me really happy, really sad? Does it make me laugh? Yeah. Um, Boogie Nights might be the one I just have the least emotional, you know, outpouring with. Um, and that's just hundred percent. It might I'm be more technically proficient the, than something the scene like where he's singing. You got the tap so badly, <laughs> and it's so funny. It is. There, there's a lot of real funny moments, and I think there's a lot of really good emotional moments, especially yeah. with again Philip Seymour Hoffman because he's mm. the best actor ever yeah. to live. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, I actually murdered oh. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I need to admit this. Um, I'm responsible for the death of Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm glad this is finally on tape. Um, I was um, in a shop with my friend AJ, who I made watch lots of Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Um, we were discussing film, and I said, you know what? I think Paul Thomas Anderson is the greatest living actor. And the next day he died. Philip Hoffman is the greatest. Yeah, yeah. I think he's the greatest living actor. And literally the next day he died. And I'd never oh, been like... Stephen. What did I do? <laughs> what did I bring into this world? <laughs> because we're having a long conversation with, yeah, yeah, probably the greatest living actor. And I'm like, oh. Just don't say that ever again about anyone else. Yeah, no, I haven't since. Just, yeah. God, he's Denzel so sorry Washington, the great, just... mm, Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> just big seven. Do, no. Wait, um, what, if it, what if it works the other way? Hmm. <laughs> what if I... Can I... Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, Gwyneth anyway, Paltrow so is the greatest after... actress. Yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow actually. Yeah, take it all back. She's the greatest. <laughs> <actress. laughs> I, I, I don't think I would really ever wish death on someone. But I don't know. I saw that great tweet that your co-host put out about James Gordon, which I laughed a lot at. <laughs> okay, uh, Max, have you seen the Decalogue? Uh, no. Have you seen a short film about killing? I haven't seen specifically a single Kislovsky film, and I'm oh, I'm very sorry about that. That's fine. I, there's directors like that with me too. But um, there's a movie where someone strangles someone in a car. 
Okay. Yeah, a short film about killing. That's the killing. Yeah. That's one of the killings. Yeah, that's the killing of someone. God, I mean, the it's titular killing. It's not like really a spoiler. Ten... It's right there in the title. Yeah. Yeah. It's a te- like 10 minutes long, especially if you watch the extended movie, of just this guy slowly trying to kill this. It's dude. on YouTube. You can watch it. It's good. <gasps> oh, okay. It's, it's, it's a good movie. Um, but so what was the context of something like... Uh, it was like, who would you like? I think it was some tweet out thing. Be like, who would you like to see in carpool karaoke? And it, 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 <laughs> just, just, did, just a screenshot of him in the car looking in the rear mirror. I was like, that is a deep cut wow. joke that is very inappropriate and awful. But the three people that get that be like, damn. <laughs> so yeah, um, very okay, funny. I don't think I'd try to wish death on anyone, but uh, but it was funny. I hope she stops doing what she's doing. Yeah, that being living. No, didn't say it. Um, <laughs> um, Magnolia. Anyway, the movie after Boogie Nights, Magnolia, which oh, I love Magnolia. Oh, so much. I love Magnolia, and I get sad when people don't. People seem to think that it's. I love how earnest it is as a yeah. film, and I think we don't appreciate I think that. If you know me, the emotion that resonates with me most is earnestness, unless it's Forrest Gump or something like I don't, that. Yeah, because I don't think Forrest Gump is earnest. I think Forrest Gump thinks it's oh so clever. Yeah. Anyway, but I love the earnestness of Magnolia and it, mm. it just really lands for me. And the scene yeah. where they all sing the, the oh, song by what's Amy Man. Amy Man. Yeah. Oh, that scene is just, just like... Amazing. It, a trillion times out of a trillion and one movies, that's, that scene is like, this is the worst thing. I, what am I watching? But the way like PTA does it and the way the cast mm. is just completely into it it's just like yeah that's the that's the number one scene that i want to i want to go back to without knowing it's there like if i could pick a film and watch it blind again i think it would be that it Mm. comes out of (laughs) (laughs) so beautiful so i'm glad we glad we love that movie so then that leads to punch of love which talking about emotional reaction to a movie being my most important thing like that's the reason why it's so high for me i totally understand that yeah um the the thing I always remember is the scene where uh, Adam Sandler and Luis Guzman, which Luis Guzman is <laughs> one of the worst used actors in Hollywood because oh, but Paul Thomas Anderson just loves him and just keeps playing his movies. And Soderbergh and we mentioned someone else. Uh, I can't remember what else he been. I talked with. I need to look him up. Luis Guzman he, just appears every now and then in things, um, know, and he's he just is, always so great. Like genuinely one of the best actors I think that's working. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but RIP, the scene Guzman, with him work. and Sandler going in and just buying every oh. pudding cup in the store and Sandler's just kind of dancing around just... is one of my favorite things ever I just oh, I love it so much yeah so Punch Up Love still, and Hawaii still wonderful. the Hawaii scene mm. oh, the Hawaii scene every time um, the opening scene where like the car accident happens and you're just like wait yeah. what is going and on and it's so that is so unnecessarily loud. Like, it, I jump every time. It is so loud. <laughs> um, yeah. Good yeah. Movie. Yeah. So I think we've so talked that... about the rest, actually. I think the others we have, we have yeah. covered. Yeah, it's true. Apart from Anima, because you guys haven't seen Anima. So. Sorry. Just I love Tommy Org, and I, and I love Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. I don't know why. What? Yeah. Oh. I also, yeah, I don't know why. Why haven't you seen Anima? It's like 20 minutes. It, when it came out, I didn't have Netflix, but I do now. Yeah. Yeah. You should yeah. watch it. You should do oh, well. Are you guys Radiohead fans? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Tom York is the only good thing about um, Suspiria. Oh, I agree. I'm sorry. 
I've I love Man, a lot of people love that movie. I love Suspiria so much. My best much. friend does. Um, um, and I was so excited to go see the Suspiria remake. The trailer looked incredible, and the soundtrack is incredible. And I've never been so twenty minutes in, just being like, "Oh no, I don't like this," and just yeah. so palpably upset by being like, "I really hate this," and I'm so sad that I hate it. I take yeah. no joy in hating Suspiria remake, but I think it's absolute crap. Okay, mm. good. I feel a bit validated because my, my best friend loves it and like we've had many arguments. A lot of but... people really love it. There's I've, two I've... amazing gore scenes, like there's two like and it looks beautiful. I just I don't like Guadagnino very much, the director. Like he is too bourgeois, he is too affected, um, in ways I do not enjoy. I feel this like come up with your name, I don't I do not love because again I feel it is too ornate, too bourgeois. I don't just it's just not for me. But uh yeah, so how do we get on the Suspiria thing? Uh, Ray, uh, Tom, Tom York, York, Radiohead. Oh yeah, great, yeah, great great Radiohead, yeah, and Johnny Greenwood, uh, great oh. composer. <laughs> the the other per- like small role I wanted to talk about was uh, Michael Kenneth Williams as the Black Panther guy. Could you guys are so good at the names of actors. I know no one's name. I'm just like that dude from this. Thing. To be fair, I only know him as Tariq Khalil. I still don't. I like I'd forgotten his actor's name, but because I, I don't know what else wait. he's been in. Wait, what? Oh my god. This is my David Duchovny moment on this podcast. Oh, God. But, um... So I'm now scared. Yeah. You've never seen The Wire. Well, I can one-up this. I own the entirety of The Wire on Blu-ray. I've owned it for, like, five years now. I've seen the first two episodes. I watched an episode, because uh, it was shown to me I really enjoyed it. I just don't watch TV. Yeah. Same. I watched... Unless I haven't seen The Sopranos. I haven't seen Breaking Bad. I haven't seen The Wire. I've seen Twin Peaks, seen and Twin that Peaks. is literally yeah, exactly. it. Yeah, okay. Twin Peaks is the only TV that you should watch. Twin <laughs> Peaks and Hannibal. That's where I draw the line. I got the Sopranos DVD out of the library, and I watched like two episodes and gave up. I hear it fades to black. Like, well, what more do you want? It's got that bit about Kundun in it. I've seen that clip. <laughs> that bit's funny. That was like a good show. I've not seen Kundun, but that guy liked it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just... I, I I kind of agree. I'm not a huge as a television as much as a movies, but you got to see the wire, both of you. Okay, you have to. Yeah, but occasionally filmmakers make TV and pretend that it's a film, like the Decalogue, for example, and then I will watch it. <laughs> He's like, "It's a movie. It's not like it's not a movie." But then I'll watch it. That's how they get me. Yeah, but uh, Michael Kenneth Williams plays this guy named Omar in The Wire, and it's like the most iconic uh... role I've ever seen. Good for him. Yeah, I'm sure he's great. I'm really like I'm really happy for him that his career picked up. <laughs> I just, I, you guys don't know Omar's coming from The Wire? No. Nothing. It gives you guys nothing. Nothing. Like, I knew about this before I watched The Wire. It's just like. I could probably quote quite a lot of this scene from this film, but I know nothing about The Wire. I'll do it for you if you want. Yeah, no, but Omar's coming. Is it like a Freddy Krueger thing? (laughs) (laughs) This is how sad my life has become. Yeah. Just for, it's been ruined by this movie. I mean, inherent vice. I have watched the wire. I haven't watched. I think that tells you I, all you no, need to know. Like, it, it makes sense by that logic, but <laughs> wait, what does this have to do with David Duchovny anyway? That <laughs> reference. Did you listen to that podcast, Stephen? I did. I did. Yeah, and so I was, two episodes I was on ago. Side. Yeah, they they brought up. I brought up the Shia LaBeouf song. Do you remember? The, Which the, I do the, know. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Oh, Max yeah. might be too young for that. I I vape, that that's unlocked something in my brain. 
I, I, I remember yeah, hearing it. Shia LaBeouf. It was, it was yeah. a YouTube song. Um, and uh, Rob Janet mentioned that there was like, oh, so it's not like the David Duchovny song. And I was like, who's David Duchovny? Which anyone... Twin Peaks. <laughs> Twin Peaks is David Duchovny. <laughs> so, Max, do you know who David Duchovny is? Yeah, from Twin Peaks. Uh, and uh, uh, And that alien show. Oh, gosh. Whatever it's called. Yeah, Twin yeah, Peaks. <laughs> Uh, X Files. Yeah, the X Files. The sequel to that seventies show. Yeah, no, but but so. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, the Alien show. You know, Doctor so, Who. So, I I I I know who David Duchovny is. I didn't know his yeah, name, but Nick and Jenna like eviscerated me. Like, how the fuck do you not know who David Duchovny is? Oh. So, this is my my moment is me being like, how do you not know who Omar from The Wire is? Like, oh my god, yes, this is, yeah. So what this is you... a great way to end the Inherent Vice podcast. Is Jesus Christ? We could make a whole letterbox list of like stuff we talked about that wasn't Inherent Vice. Um, it's a very good movie. When we do the thing, we give it a thumbs up because it's a thumbs up. Thumbs up. <laughs> See, is it what? What's this got to do with Roger Ebert? Because wasn't he dead when this was released? <laughs> so that was my one question like coming onto the podcast <laughs> so usually we go over movies in ebert's essays on his great movies and so like there's a hundred like of them blue velvet <laughs> no not for him oh sorry i thought you were mentioning great movies sorry yeah yeah <laughs> but um so that's how it started but then nick and jenna have like better things to do some weeks and so, like, this week they have actual plans for the 4th of July. And so I was like, no. well, I know the British people aren't no, doing it's... anything on 4th of July. We're commiserating. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's, we're doing a filler episode, basically. We're just, like, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Inherent Vice? It's an American movie and it's hot this year. It's so fucking hot in America. Um, so, Inherent so, Very, okay. very sweaty movie. Lots, lots of sweaty people. Sweaty dude cinema. Yeah. Um, so that's that's why stuff. we're talking on an e a movie that w came out five years after Ebert died. That we're talking I think he'd have liked it. I, yeah, I, I don't no. know. Yeah, I, I don't know. He he'd been going a bit cool on um, on PTA. Yeah, had he? Huh. Well, a, a um, bit. Interesting. Anyway, it's a thumbs up movie for me. Yay! Thumbs up. You can't see me, but I'm giving it a thumbs four. up. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Thank you, man. Five out of four. Thumbs up. Um, five out of four. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Like Steven tried to do a five out of four on the Babe podcast, and I was like, I don't know if it works that way. I think it does. Babe 2 is very good. Yeah. I'd say Babe 2 is on my top 100 list, and her advice isn't, so... That's fair. Um, I'm assuming PDL would be on your... Yeah, it is. It is on my list. It is okay. on my list. Um, and I would give it... Uh, three and a half out of four, I think. Yeah, that's not bad. So, uh, we'll take yeah. that. Uh, that'll be all for the discussion itself. Uh, now we will good. transition, if you guys have time, to talk about some movies that you've enjoyed this week. Otherwise, that you want to shout out. Do you guys have time for that? Yeah, yeah. all the time in the world. All right. Uh, Max, how about you go first? What have you uh, watched this week besides? Well, I'm just checking uh, my letterbox because, other... because yeah, I haven't watched much else. To be fair. Okay. Um, That's fair. I oh, I watched Double Indemnity today. 
That's a good movie. Oh, Which is great movie. A pre- I mean, it, it was on my list of shame for a while. It was oh, pretty you good. Know what you could do now, Max? Plugging my podcast so you can listen to our episode about it because we just did it. it That's what I was doing when I was making dinner and it was lovely. Oh, so, nice. Shout out to um, that little podcast called The Great Movies. Pretty shout good. out to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's a good movie. Yeah. It's not my favourite Billy Wilder. No, because that's... Yeah. Well, of course, because... That's a bit of a... The Apartment. I, okay. I can't decide. I love them both. I don't Would know. I you say... there's, there's several films I can go for for Best Big Wilder. So I just said that the, so many of them are masterpieces. That whatever. Yeah. Um, the front page. Step... No, not the front. Page. But it was interesting because, like, seeing it and then talking about this film because obviously that's a that's a noir where yeah, yeah. your lead character is just kind of horrible and a bit dumb. Yes. And then coming off that and talking about Doc, who was just the loveliest, I love him, most <laughs> good-natured person in the world. It's a bit yeah. weird. But no, so apart yeah, from that, I, I think it's just been PTA. My last non-PTA yeah, gotcha. was Red River, which I didn't... I just got a bit bored by. But it was alright. Well, it's one I need to rewatch. It's been like 10 years since I've seen it. I think but, like Stephen, uh, I, get, I get a bit bored by like classic uh, westerns. So I just sort of struggled yeah. with like the milieu. But it was pretty good. It was a cool chase. Yeah. There's a lot of cows in it, which 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 was cool. There are so many cows. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, Stephen, yeah. what did what did you watch this week that you want to shout out? Um, I have three things worthy of note. Um, so one is a plug um, because new episode of Ranking yep. the Monsters coming out on Wednesday. Uh, my kaiju podcast with uh, my friend Calvin of this one geeks dot com. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the next episode's got uh, Jack Davenport on it and he brought two films to us but one of them, this wonderful film called The X from Outer Space which you have to see to believe um, just, oh Jesus so just, I watched that movie twice in two days I enjoyed it so much um, just the most bizarre kind what, the of letter movie. So X that, yeah, the letter X from Outer Space which just from the poster you know is just an utterly glorious movie oh my um, goodness it's so good. Um, I then watched um, Song of the Horse, which I've, I've spent a year now having seen every single Kurosawa feature film. And every time people are like, yeah, but you haven't seen his documentary. I'm like, yeah, no, shut up, leave me alone. So I finally did it. So now I have seen every single Kira Kurosawa film that you can see because some of them are lost. So thank you very much. And yeah. finally, I've been working my way through um, the films, non-chronologically and now chronologically, to fill in the gaps of Hong Sang-soo, who I think is just become one of my favourite filmmakers. Um, which I'm going to write a piece on him because he's got a new film coming out at Cannes, uh, premiere, premiering at Cannes on the 14th, I believe. So check out thetweengeeks.com where hopefully there will be a, a feature. And, that, and that's not on the one that premiered in this pandemic last year then? No, because he's got two films that are not out yet. Oh my God. This guy makes And then he's got The Woman like Who Ran. Much. He's got The Woman Who Ran, which is brilliant, which came out at the last end year. of last year, which is an absolutely excellent film. He just made a ridiculous short film of a snail which i loved um and he's got two films about to come out because he makes a movie a year and they are deceptively not the same okay Interesting. If, i'm imagining there's quite a few people like me who haven't seen anything so can you like recommend a place to start maybe oh man i would recommend you check out my article on it in a, in a, in a bit oh, okay. but um yeah, yeah. no uh hong sang su is just he's just fascinating i the reason i think i've become so um so 
Benjamin of Letterboxd fame, who's doing the South Korean summer thing. Um, so a lot of people watch lots of South Korean cinema. And I feel there is this cultural association with, thanks to Park Chan-wook and Boo Joon-ho, of like the biggest South Korean voices, um, but others, um, of South Korean cinema is very transgressive and very violent. And a lot of it is. Like, you look at I Saw the Devil, yeah. um, all that stuff's out there. And Hong Sang-soo is just so not that. Hong Sang-soo, sorry. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I love it so much. He is just making films like Eric Roman movies that are just very incidental conversations um, I don't know where to start. I mean, I start with The Woman Who Ran, which is his most recent movie, yeah. um, which I, I just love, love, loved. Um, I would... My favourite of his so far has been The Day He Arrives, which is fantastic and very meta. I would really recommend On the Beach at Night Alone. That's um, probably his most famous. Um, which I watched this week and was stunned by. But you need to go to into it knowing the context, the historical context around it. Um, because hmm. it is a film about an actor played by... I'm going to get a name wrong, so I'm going to look it up, because I don't want to be that person. It's Kim um, Min-hee. Kim Min-hee. I was going to get it right. God damn it. <laughs> she's the best. She is she's so good. She's in The Handmaiden, right? Yeah. Yes, and she's yeah. in a lot of Hong Sang-soo movies, because there is something to get into. Um, so <clears throat> she is in this film playing someone who has had an affair with a director... And now is just living her life after that. Um, this film came out just after it had been discovered that she was having an affair with Hong Sang-soo. And it is a film about him and about her. And it interrogates that in the most interesting way that could be exploitative, but is in no way oh. at all. It is so giving her a voice and interrogating him. And it is very much more a film about how the private becomes the public and what that means. So using film to go into person and like he has the most distinctive style of it's almost all static shots and he uses zooms, which are so rarely used nowadays, which like forefronts that what you're watching is a film so often. Yeah. So it, that yeah. sense of observing of like, I'm watching this person and it's all, it's pretty much all improvised. Lots of just conversation sequences. It's like, this feels so real. And then it's not. And you're like, I shouldn't be watching this. And this is invasive and it's about invasiveness and it's about what film can do. It has this amazing ending which I love, but people do not like, of it does a thing which shows that cinema is about catharsis and can give you catharsis, but life does not do that. And it does a, an amazing rug pull with a thing like that. So it's, it's, they're these wonderful, very postmodern, very formally experimental works that also just work as a sequence of people talking, in with humans talk, in the what people don't say is what's important. It's lots of conversations, drinking soju, not saying things, and saying a lot of things. They're just great films. Mm -hmm. I'm sold. I'm totally yeah. going to check some out. It, it really will. sounds like my kind of thing, too. Mm -hmm. um, I think right now, Wrong Then is also sort of investigating the similar I've things. not got to that yet, because now I'm going yes. through them chronologically. I've seen 12 of his movies, and now I've got another more than that to go through. Yeah. And he's young. He's not... Mm. He, well, what, I, I don't mean... I, he's not old. He's and got so, a lot more that are going to come out, and he's making them at a pace. I think he'll have like 70 movies on his list by the time he's a, a nice one to start with actually is maybe Claire's camera with Isabelle Huppert in it um, which is a film he's he made he's done a couple the... movies with her right? yes yeah um, in another country as well oh. which both are great um, but yeah Claire's camera is a nice little lovely movie it's like 60 minutes long like film at the camp film first of all very accessible gives a good taste of what he does and is quite funny as well gotcha. cool nice thanks um I didn't get to watch that many movies this week, which is a bit of a bummer. You watched um, The Long Goodbye. I did. I, I did watch The Long Goodbye. That's worth it. Which that's the best. Um, I rewatched An Autumn Afternoon, 
which um, <sighs> if Hong Sang Soo is to Steven, uh, Ozu is to me. Ozu is like my number one guy besides the archers, probably. I also love uh, Ozu. Yeah. So do I. <laughs> What's your favorite Ozu, Max? I haven't seen enough. Um, at the moment, it's late sure. spring. It's it's got to okay. be late spring, but um, I'm he's he's always one that I'm like keep trying to see more of, but he's got quite quite a lot to get through. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was busy. Luckily, luckily for the amount of movies you have to watch to complete his filmography, he died super young. But <laughs> lucky that I've... he didn't get to make more because I, I wish know. he had. I've watched 27 Ozu films and I've still not completed his filmography and still like a bit of a way off. I did um, all 35 in a month this year earlier. Oh, I heard that podcast. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, we watched Autumn Afternoon with my brother. He thought it was okay. Is that is that your favorite of his? Yeah. I, okay. So my favorite is Tokyo Story. Well, that's and my I problem. Is like I thought the question for Ozu is what's your second favorite Ozu film? Because, <laughs> because like Tokyo Story. Tokyo Story. Yeah. Um, and I. I bring it up and i pin this review on my uh, letterbox but i have this really long piece on ho shao shen's the puppet master yes i need to see that still that review is fantastic i need to watch that movie thank you but i, I mentioned tokyo story and i think certified copy as two other movies oh. i watched because of the puppet master certified copy is so good it is really good and movies that influenced are those three probably influenced my style more than any other movies mm, your director so style tokyo i really enjoyed your album is so like inherently like me um but outside of that autumn afternoon is my favorite yeah my, my second favorite then would be flavor of green tea over rice uh, oh. movie. that movie is hilarious mm. everything yeah. to do with like the wife and her girlfriends in the koi pot <laughs> so i get I, I get the names of them mixed up though because they also said autumn afternoon is that his last film Oh yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Love yeah. it. Oh, is that in color? Edited... Is that one of the color ones? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's in. I was talking about this recently with Nick and Janet, which was just like there are some movie directors that worked so much of their life in black and white, and then when they got color, they were like, "Cool, I'm gonna make all the colors happen." And Ozu movies are not very showy, but they have so much color in them. Like every scene, like they like when they go to Tor they like the outside shots of Tori's bar in the autumn afternoon. There's like every color in the world is, are shown mm. in these lights outside it, of the I'm sorry no it, just, it looks it looks unlike any color that i've seen like yeah. ever <laughs> something the up, something about we, it the other ones we were talking about that did this agnes barda yeah which like she did a lot of black and white uh, films tatty obviously um going into tatty um, was one mm. and god of um, a woman as woman um just yeah, mm. yeah, phenomenal. Um, I, I think the most interesting color. color transition for me actually would be Antonioni of like Ooh. of going into Red Desert of using color to show a lack of color to show like malaise mm -hmm. is just such an like when everyone else went for the brightest things he's like I'll give you brown I'll give you all of the browns and every shade of brown I'm like man you are a genius. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair though I don't I think a lot of like high directors do that and I kind of like that like Ozu's like you know what I'm gonna do all the colors. And um, but the, the the last one I think this was the big one was Jean Renoir like when he gets to like the mm. river or the golden coach and he's just like, color baby, <laughs> and I just I, and Kurosawa and I just like love when like a director like transitions and he's like, cool, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna take this medium that I haven't been able to work with most of my life and it's like, I'm gonna do some shit. Yeah, like that. I don't love Dedez Kadan, but like Dedez Kadan, just the color in that movie the is color? just ph phenomenal. 
Kajimusha and Ron. Mm. And like, yeah, I think Ron invented color. I think Ron is yeah, no, seriously. Color. <laughs> Ron invented the color red. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like eighty percent sure. Not all the way, because you'd think it'd be three colors red, but no, it was Ron. <laughs> it, was, it was Ron with uh oh, whoa. love it. Um, yeah. How do we get on this? We were talking about oh, autumn afternoon. Um, but yeah, my brother thought it was okay, three out of five, and I was just like. Well, I've heard his thoughts on inherent vice, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah is that the same brother? Yeah, yeah. I only have one. Um, have a, a selection trash. of Philistine brothers. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, to be fair, if Ozu's not your thing, I would yeah. totally get it because, like, Ozu is strange. In, I think in the le- Ozu in and Hong least... Sang-soo are such perfect comparisons. Of being like, they make a movie, and if you don't like that movie, you are not going to like any of them. You are... He he said he loved Tokyo Story because of like it, it this sort of grandeur and like there's all these characters and these storylines, and then when we, we watch like Good Morning and this and it's like it's just kind of like really basic and just like, eh. he's like I don't get much out of it and it's like that's fine. Oh, but Good Morning is so good. Good Morning is so good. <laughs> I always remember um, it's, I think it was uh, Michael Cera in one of those like Criterion Closet videos, and he said like Good yeah. Morning is a film that he just recommends to people because it's just so nice. I like it's it. Behind so that. Perf- That's me nice. in Perfume Nightmare. I just tell everyone to watch Perfume Nightmare. <laughs> you never told me to watch that. Is oh, watch good? Perfume Nightmare. Okay. <laughs> it's really good. You've never seen anything like it. Dylan, have you seen Perfume Nightmare? No. Watch Perfume Nightmare. I what will is this add it film? to my watch list right now. Oh, it's on Vimeo. Is it? Cool. It's on movie. Apparently. Oh, perfect. Okay. Kidlat... Uh, I've never heard of this director. Kidlat Tadlik, Filipino director. Um, it's just incredible. It's the most incredible movie. It's just so good. It's just so good. You, you said it's the most incredible movie, movie and you gave it a four out of five. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, sometimes you and your ratings. He would have given it a three and a half. No, in that, like, it's just one of the most interesting films I've watched. I don't okay, know if it's wholly okay. successful in everything that it does, but there's nothing sure. else I've seen like it. Um, which okay. is why I was like, everyone should see this film. It's so, it's so important and so interesting. Mm hmm. Um, I also watched, and this what this one is just going to kind of hurt me, and I don't know why if I can complain about it because it's a Pixar movie, and Pixar doesn't need anyone standing up for them. But I saw Luca this week and just adored it. And it's like I don't, I just, I struggle why people are. I don't think a lot of people dislike this movie, but a lot of people are just like cute, and then like mm-hmm. give it three stars on Letterboxd and move away from it, and. I, I am I just... now going to watch it. I wasn't going to watch it because it looked like I'm okay. Um, but I now feel like I have to have an opinion on it. So I'm going to get myself <laughs> I, one opinion. I'm scared to give you an opinion because like, you might just be like, that movie sucks. I'm just like, I don't think it sucks. Means, this movie means so much to me. <sighs> I know, like, Pixar have so gone off the boil for me. But I'm just like... I well, just... and I think I mentioned this in my review. It's either they go too hard on being like, we are in a adventure we're gonna go like hard and like if onward is a big thing of this i love inside out but like the last mm-hmm. act of inside out where it's just like they're running through things and things are knocking down and they're jumping and then yeah. they like cuts this really emotional scene i'm like i don't that doesn't work like and so it's either that or it's like we have to give you like the most existential thing in a movie in a kids movie and it, it, it's like the tones just get completely mixed up and like i really like soul too but like Soul just like tones went everywhere. It's like didn't. I, Steven's not a fan. 
No, I do not. I do not like Soul. Um, mostly for the what it does in terms of representation in that film, I think is heinous. Um, it's not great. Um, but so I, so I, 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 those are the two like aspects I've been like just struggling with later Pixar since like Coco maybe. Hey, Coco's good. Coco's so good. Uh, I post Coco. Um, <laughs> the post Coco period. Yeah. Poco, Poco, Poco. And Luke is the first one in a while that's just like all the emotional beats don't have to be like this intensely existential horrifying thing that completely ruins the tone of the movie mm. or we have to make it forcibly like this adventure plot that it doesn't need to be like the whole plot of this movie is like they need to enter a triathlon to and the triathlon is swim bike and eat pasta to make sure they can have enough money to buy a broken down vespa and it's just like this i'm down and it's just a movie about two friends and like all the really emotional beats because it's a Pixar movie that's going to make some emo- emotional beats but it's like all the emotional beats come because like specifically just the friendship is not working they're just on two separate pages and it's like you're making a movie you're making an actual coherent movie now and so god i love luca i just i'm worried with like the poor reception and it going straight to disney plus like this movie's gonna be forgotten and it's never gonna be made well, by pixar ever again i gave emma the choice last night of when i watch luca in the heights or no sudden move i wanted to watch no sudden move um, and Emma Jones in the Heights, and we both disliked it. So I guess we should have watched Luca. <laughs> Luca! Oh, it's so good. Um, I don't, I don't I watch can... Pixar now, but I'm going to watch it. I'm, I'm sold. I think it sounds I, great. What is, your, what is your anti-Pixar stance here? Why do you not watch Pixar now? Do you feel like too much I'm of not... a, big, a big boy? You're like, I'm an adult now. Yeah, I'm going through like my adult phase where I don't realise that I can watch Pixar and it's fine. Okay. I'll get, I'll get to that in a couple of years. But like, I watched Coco and I just didn't really click with it. And that was the one that everyone said that like was really oh, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you weren't like you weren't like the ones after that. I think what <laughs> I, I think what Dylan said really summed it up is that like I didn't like how they just sort of went off into a massive adventure yeah, after like yeah. like Up. I think it's the perfect example. Like I love the first ten minutes of Up, and then the rest I just kind of got bored. I am, I'm the up. biggest defender of Up, but oh, I'm not okay. going to get into that right now. Um, up I is think a great I think ten minute movie. Mm. I think Coco and Up take what i've had problems with those pixar movies that did it well because of what the movies are but whatever that's for another time but i do um, like the sound of luca yeah so i think so that might change me i compared luca to a few things if, if these movies like you like these movies i think it might work for you fellini's if you taloni hey uh, <laughs> the best movie um it's not even Anya, the best fellini movie but <laughs> it, it's probably my best fellini for you yeah <laughs> Um, Ponyo, my, my, my top three Fellini movies, but yeah. <laughs> but that, that Ponyo, uh, Celine Siama's Tomboy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that bit, and then I was just like, "Hello, I'm interested," because I love that movie. And The Little Mermaid. So I think if, if I those, about that. those sort of things vibe with you, just kind of marry it, and um, it still feels like a Pixar movie. Like there's like a dialogue and like a sort of like pacing that Pixar has that like if, if it's not your thing, like totally get it, but. I heard that there was a lot of food in it, and and I'm down because like Ponyo is just like the food porn movie. Tampopo is a movie that exists. Tampopo oh, okay. is a in movie terms of like that literally an... exists. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just mentioned Ponyo, so that's not that's literally porn, line. but like the most. Again, again, Tampopo exists. If you want actual <laughs> food porn, that was like the that's like the one movie my dad's recommended to me, and I'm a bit worried. It's, it's so good. Oh, okay, it's so, it's so good. 
All right, so if I have you guys on the podcast again, you guys need to have seen Luca and have a thought on it. So and Tampopo, yeah, and Puffy Nightmare. I still haven't seen Tampopo. Puffy Nightmare, yeah. You've not seen Tampopo? Oh, watch Tampopo. How many other? How many ramen westerns have you seen? Zero. So well, I gotta get go. on it. Um, so a woman, a gun, last... and, a, and a noodle shop, and Tampopo. I guess that counts. Yeah, I guess I've seen two ramen westerns. <laughs> And uh, the last movie I saw this week was When a Woman Ascends the Stairs. Mm. Oh, Steven from is like, the oh. crew behind Godzilla. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, it's the the same crew that made Godzilla, and they made straight from that to that. So it's Narasay's crew, the um, director of photography, and all the crew on it are the same in both movies. Wow. Um, oh, I, really I watched that, that movie because um, the guest host for Speed Racer, Kaylee, it's her birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Kaylee! Happy birthday. Um, and she said on Twitter, like, for my birthday, I want everyone to watch When When a Woman Ascends the Stairs, because it's, like, her favorite movie. It's and a phenomenal like, film. And I was like, I've been on my watch list for a while, I need to watch it, and um, I'm after this, I need to write up a review for her. Um, yeah. But uh, that was an amazing movie, and yes. I cannot believe how much I was... The last, like, 30 minutes, but especially, like, the final scene, uh, the final titch, titular... Like, there's a few... She gets there. No, there, the is, final... there is some serious stare ascension in that movie. You get oh. what it says in the tin. Like... Yeah, yeah. And um, but the final one, she comes up and she's like, "Hello, hello, everyone." And I'm, I'm like, just like, <laughs> you know, like my mascara would just be like everywhere on me, and it's just like, oh, it's a very it, good film. It's so good. Um, and uh, like Hideko Takamine is like the greatest actress ever, and Tatsuya Nakata is possibly my favorite actor of all time. Oh, he is good. He is good. I like him. I think Naruse is still seen? on my no. Naruse is still on my list of shame of like directors yeah. that I need to get into but haven't that was my been able to start. Yeah, Lake Chrysanthemums is probably the one that everyone sees, right? That's I say no. W- 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 yeah, that's it. Was one woman ascends stairs? Just watch that. Oh, okay. Um, Floating clouds is good too. Uh, I saw yearning was the other one I saw and loved it. Um, but Max, have you seen Harakiri? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Amazing. So both Nick and Janet haven't seen it, but uh, th- when I watched that movie, I was like, okay, Tatsuya Nakadai is the man. Yeah. The number one man. Uh, For sure. Incredible performance in that movie. Oh, I need to rewatch com- that. Com- completely different sort of performance in When a Woman Ascends the Stairs. But and then you've got the human condition as well, so you can see him in that. Which I'm watching this week. This is the week oh, of the human uh, yeah, condition. That's one of the greatest achievements in, in film. I'm ready. So, uh, Damn. That's, I think, the longest podcast, so thanks, guys. You you, you, you did it. Well, I, the one assume... the one thing that I want to do after this chat is just re-watch Inherent Vice again. Yeah. That's what it's done to me. I think we've actually reached the length of Inherent Vice, so you could just listen to this <laughs> and just watch Inherent Vice. Yeah, do that. This will audio be commentary. audio commentary for I Inherent Vice. I think fine. Like, I think this would actually be, that'd be a, like a, a mood, you know? Nothing, just like... nothing will... Like, actually, I'm curious if maybe there's one point in the movie where we're talking about something from Inherent Vice that The actually... bit where I started playing Dark Side of the Moon will line up really well, but apart from that... No. <laughs> but I, I think this is just as good of an audio commentary while watching Inherent Vice as an actual audio commentary of Inherent Vice. So. What if there is a commentary on my Blu-ray? I'm going to check that. I bet it's good. I don't, yeah. That's not on the DVD, but yeah, I, I don't DVDs are DVDs. Man, you'll 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 get there. You'll get there. <laughs> all right, so that'll be all for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Loadbox and at Gmail at Great Movies Pod. Uh, 
you can find our podcast artist Scott Brady at S Brady Artist on Twitter, and that should be all for this week. Sorry we kept you so long. <laughs> Roger out. <laughs> Bye. 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 Find me on letterbox.com slash list. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. King of lists. King of lists. Wait, I need I, I need I need to, I need to make sure I tag you guys. So like Steven, you you're you're on uh Just find me on letterbox.com slash list. It me. <laughs> you still there? Yeah, by accident. I made a list uh, for one friend and it weirdly took off. And now it's got over 3,000 likes and it's intimidating. And people are having a big arguments in the comments. And you should, I think oh. you should turn them off, to be fair. Yeah, I should. Oh, yeah. okay. And then, uh, to, no, but no, Max, you're right, I should. Max, uh, yeah? what's, what's your like letterbox handle that people can find you at? Um, I think it's Kubrick's Cube 24. Yeah. <laughs> don't, 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 don't ask. <laughs> That's a great name. Is it? <laughs> it's really not. Is Kubrick, it Kubrick with a lot of squares and cubes. Kubrick as in Stanley. S yeah, no, I got cube that bit. Thank 24. you. <laughs> it should be Kubrick's cube. That would be better. Yeah. I, but Max I didn't think just, about it that far. Yeah, Max is just regretting everything right now. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, do you have a Twitter or something that you want to shout out that I can... Uh... Um, I, yeah, my, I mean, I'll just find it. I don't, I don't tweet very uh, interesting stuff, so I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> but it's Max King underscore twenty four, if you want to find right. me there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I've just been tweeting about the Euros recently, which I can't talk to Steven about. And Max, are you a sports fan? No, but it's coming home for England. Come on. I. I hate the English fans so much. I just don't want you guys to be happy, and I'm sorry. Oh, I don't you know, want you to be happy either. It, no, I like, don't. I, 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 I was supporting Ukraine the whole misery. way. The, the whole it's coming home thing makes me so mad. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. That entire I'm, side of England's bracket is like a bunch I am of teams that I don't... so excited for hopefully us to win, so there is a picture of the team leaving I can say it's coming home to everybody. <laughs> I was watching Phantom Thread when they were playing Ukraine, and I was having a great time. I was watching a Hong Sang-soo movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I was watching it just being like, Ugh. Are you more into like English football than we are then? Oh, I'm a huge uh, soccer football fan. Nice. Oh yeah, you're, you um, like Man City, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I heard you mentioned it. And uh, trying to change my uh, support because I just can't stand them anymore. Um, to Leicester, so Chelsea have like the, the same colour, right? You can just go to. Fuck! <laughs> okay, I hate Chelsea. I hate Chelsea so much. Support they had my favourite player on that team. What's wrong with They're Reading FC? Huh? Support I... them. Which team? Reading FC. That's who I technically support. Support Reading. They're in the Championship right now, I think. So I don't know. Is that your home team? <laughs> yeah. My, 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 okay. Mine's in Division Two. Well, Wait, okay, so here's the weird thing about soccer. Sucks and... to be you, Max. Reading are in the championship, I hear. <laughs> Whatever that is. Wait, Max, Max, who's your who's your team? Uh, Cheltenham Town FC. The Robins. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when you, said, Athletic. when you said they're, they're in the second division, you actually mean they're in the fourth one. No, we're in division that's... two, yeah. I, I, think, <laughs> I think we might have got relegated as well. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, so there's... It, it, in English this soccer, is the post part, by the way, now, guys. You know, it's 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 the Premier League, it's the Championship, it's League One, and then it's League Two, and then League Two is the one you're in, I think. 
Yeah, I we're near yeah. the bottom. I I think we're I think we're in League Two. We're not relegated I out love of that. The usage but... of we in and, and then if you get relegated out of League Two, you literally just lose your license, basically, and you become a semi-pro. You're just like in the void. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's horrifying. Um. So, best of best of wishes to you, Max. That uh, is it Charlton. The, uh, Cheltenham, Chel Cheltenham. 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 <laughs> I've never been up. We just say Cheltenham. Words. We'll just make it into like two syllables, but it's like Chelt and Ham. Oh, I know this logo. It's a very pretty logo. Yeah. I like your guys' logo. Thank you. We're quite Are a pretty still... town. And that's about all we got. <gasps> no, you, you, no, you're not the bottom of Division 2. You're you promoted. You're in League 1 now. You're in the third tier. No. See, this yeah. is how much I know about football. I can't believe you found this out live on air. It's so exciting to be here. Oh my god, I can't believe it. Max is like, I want to be a soccer fan again. It's my first time on a podcast, and this has happened to me. Your team has won, god. Inherent Vice was great, you're going to watch Perfume Nightmare, it's just... This you're is watch time the best day I've had in, in years, probably. Great. I'm glad I could have given you this, but I do <laughs> oh, have to wrap this up now that I'm... actually quite depressing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the official Roger Out is now here. Uh, <laughs> Roger Out. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm stopping the audio now. <laughs> oh, it's just not mine. And when I go to the movies, I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people. Steven and I would like to apologize to Max directly at this point uh, because we were, as uh, Steven and I put it, idiots because we make a massive mistake here saying that um, Max is wrong, that late, the late Chrysanthemums is not a Nerus movie. And not only is it a Nerus movie, but at least Steven's seen it. I haven't, so I have a little bit of an excuse. Uh, the Mizuguchi movie that we thought he's talking about is the last Chrysanthemum. So I think we can blame that on the titling of these movies. Not really. This We, we, we messed up. We apologize. <laughs>